the mainstream GB violence is committed by me solely. Do you get it? We need to make that clear because you've got a lot of people trying to GB this and GB that. Shut the fuck up. I was the only notorious man from SCA with this thing on my back. Going anywhere and coming back with all W's. Let's get it right. Do you know like that? Yeah. Let's get that clear. Apart from that, just shut the fuck up. Fox the other day, yeah, when that same PR team badding up Fox's kids, disrespecting Fox's kids, yeah, because he's not here, when they couldn't even, they couldn't even breathe when, when Fox was here. Delighted to be in London with Carlon Campbell Robinson, um, acclaimed author, acclaimed theatre writer. But before all that, he was living a real crazy life um, and ended up being right at the sort of the highest level organised crime um, within the UK, more London specifically. Um, this is an absolute insane story, one that I'm really excited for. This exclusive interview. Carlon's not told his story before. Um, so, without further ado, let's uh, get into it. So, Carlon, thank you very much for sort of giving me the opportunity. No worries, much bro. much appreciated. And how's things with you at the moment, generally? I can't complain, bro. A little red, a little tired. It's all about the work, mate. But yeah, man's good, bro. Of course. So, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to obviously lots of positive stuff going the next few years. But obviously, of all our guests, um, I think it's important that we go back to the start of your journey to find okay. out what sort of turned you into the person you did and also the person you are today. And so, talk to me about. So early life for you, where you were brought up, was it always London, family settings? Talk yeah, um, yeah, I always grew up in London, South London, to be specific. Um, early days, New Cross. Um, then we moved to Lucian when I was about five. Um, I had a cousin who I was really close to called M and he used to live on um, Achilles Street which is right in the ghetto you get it? just off of Pagnall Street you get it? 
from these apps we can see Moonshot and our various community um, centers that we used to go to, like Watson Street, Albany Empire. So, because I was always around him, we did, we're the same age. He's a month, one day older than me. That was our headquarters. So we were just always around the ghetto, mm. um, just attending different community. And um, things. was it a happy household you were from? Were your parents together? And no, um, parents split very early. Um, Dad involved though for the childhood. Early days. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, early days. Yeah, um, he went legit. But I was from a criminal household um, where everyone were hustlers in one way or another. Did you, did you get it? It's perfectly normal for me to see mum or my aunt um, in a 10 gram fur coat and a Rolex or Lotus. It was normal. Did you get it? Or my uncles wearing crocodile shoes and rolled on their arm. It was that kind of. Did you get, did you get it? So from early. Obviously, I believe. Um, obviously, I locked into the value of money, making money. Mm. And um, in terms of siblings, your brothers and sisters? On my dad's side, um, got two brothers, um, two sisters. But from your mum's side, just single child. Single child. So, did you get spoiled a lot by your mum growing up, being an only child? I got everything I wanted. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Um, from the earliest day, I was wearing designer clothes. That was just her thing. Very um, old TT, but bang on it. Did you get? It? So yeah, um, definitely got sport, sport with material things. Mm. And um, so talk about obviously getting into school and stuff, like what sort of student were you in early sort of primary school and stuff, how were you getting on, were you a good student, did you work at school? Oh, primary school, man just winging it, did you get it? Um, it was fun. Um, then I got kicked out, I think, of secondary school. But yeah. Okay, and so when did you sort of, <coughs> when did you become naughty, start becoming naughty or a bit mischievous at the point where you're sort of getting thrown out or getting in the well, trouble? Well, in primary school, while well, I was in secondary school, then you went to day centres, Yeah. then I ended up in boarding school in Grafton Grange. Yeah, yeah, so you were... Um, maybe 11 then. Okay. 10. And so in terms of, you're getting in trouble at school, but were you getting in trouble in the streets and stuff like this? Were you already with your cousin? Or? I think the first time I got in trouble on the streets. I was about 11, I think. I believe that's for robbery. Yeah. And what would their circumstance, what sort of robbery is it? Street robbery or? Yeah, street robbery. Me and a couple guys. And so what was the, what was it like? Obviously, can you remember back then getting arrested and what it was like going down the station for the first time and all this sort of process? Did they get to down there? Knowing. I'm going to get my ass kicked when I go home. But that wasn't enough to sort of put you off, unfortunately, and you carried on obviously getting in trouble and stuff like this. Yeah, sure. And so you've been sent to, what did you say, the school was the boarding school, Grafton? 
Graffon. Graffon. Graffon Grange. And that was in, where was that? Guildford. Guildford. And um, what, was, what was that like there? Then? Was that like a younger, young offenders? Or was it actually a proper school? Was it actually relaxed? Was it lots and lots of naughty kids? Was it good for you to be around other naughty kids? It was a, it was a, um, a mixture, I think. A lot of naughty kids there, but structured very well. And we learned, we learned to educate. Uh, it's massive. Three different wards. Woods, tennis courts, swimming pool, everything was there to get. Did you enjoy your time there? Yeah, 100%. Uh, was there lots of London kids there? Yeah, there was a lot. And so, did do you know why? Did any of them go into the life of crime that you went to school with? A lot, a lot of them did. I think the most high profile would be obviously Tyson. Okay. And so, what was sort of the age difference with you, uh, with you and Tyson? We into two years. And were you friends with him? Um. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And was he a crazy kid? Would you say you were a crazy kid at that point? Were you? Um. Uh, I was crazy then. No. 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 Not definitely, crazy in the sense of crazy what crazy turned into, but definitely a thief. Yeah. Um, involved in breaking into the tuck shop. I apologize. Um, whereas Tyson, the man there, he got kicked out for bringing in Stanley blades. Fuck you know. Yeah, yeah, some small Stanley blades, sharp as fuck, silver. <laughs> and he put them in and was selling them to everyone. Oh no. So everyone's got a Stanley knife. They've heard about it. That's why we were expelled. Yeah. And so what was the sort of setup there? Would you be there for like a couple of weeks at a time and go back for a weekend or something? Or were you there for like a month or two? Or how often were you going home and that? Um, there from Friday. Yeah. Also from Sunday to Friday. Yeah, and then yeah, back for a couple of days. And then come back on a Sunday, back on the coach. Yeah. Back to Kilford. And so when you were going back, were you still mixing for those couple of days with all your friends and all the people on the streets? And were you being active or were you just chilling with your family like, at those points there? I'm young, innit? So when I can sneak out, I sneak out with. Yeah. And so what age were you at Guildford, this Guildford one till then? Were you there from what age? About a year, I think. Maybe 11 or 12. And then what was the reason for you leaving there at that point? Um... I got kicked out for something. But yeah, I ended up in Jamaica. Okay. My mother told me I was going on holiday. <laughs> One way ticket. One way ticket. And that was, so did you have a lot of family out in Jamaica? Or you have family in Jamaica? Yeah, yeah. I had aunts, cousins. So when I got out there. So, but, but this must be a massive shock to you still, isn't it? Being obviously sent out there as a different kid in England. You going to school and stuff in Jamaica? Yeah. Yeah, and how, how did you find that? And that, did they try and bully you where you're from England and that? You have to fight, bro. We used to, yeah. fight, we used to fight with pens. Everyone's got a pen in school, innit? So pens, inside school, outside school, bottles, stones. Normal. And so talk to me about your time then in, in Jamaica and that. Did school, you I love school. School was, yeah, school was great. And in terms of getting into trouble and that, did, did you get arrested or anything like that, or were you staying out in major trouble while you were out in Jamaica? When I first got to Jamaica, I attempted to steal one item. 
I got away with it, but I got stripped. I got, I got searched. It's lucky. My cousin went in on one because he was the same age as me. I never, never done it again. And so your cousin was it? Was he uh, quite well behaved? Did they keep you on the straight and narrow for those the time while you were out there? He's or? the same as me. Okay. Now he's doing a double life sentence in America. No parole. Fuck. So, um, and so you end up being in Jamaica for two years, was it? One year. For one year. And so at that point there, your mum thought, okay, maybe hopefully he's learned his lesson and he might behave when he come back then. It was, it was that time. And so did you manage to get back into school when you came to this country? Kind of. And so, so where were you based at this point? Was this in Deptford? No, at 13? Or? Um, Lewisham. Lewisham. And so what, you, you weren't really going to school too much enough in the and so, what you fully in the, in the streets at this point then? Now I'm in the streets. Okay. Um, robbing, thieving, um, yeah, designer clothes, that lifestyle, raving. Yeah. At a young age, at 13, 14. I was the youngest in the in, in the in the, um, the team. Yeah. And so, so you, you, by this point, you say team. So you're sort of like with a gang of you, a guy robbing. Yeah. And so talk to me about sort of what sort of robberies would you do then? Um, was it going into shops doing robberies like that? And was it anything goes, bro? Do you get it? We used to rob people in the streets, on the buses. So talk, how, how would a robber in a bus go then? What, did you see, you see a certain individual and do you see? Do you know what it's mad, isn't it? The, the first things to ever get camered up was the 36 and the 36B. Um, went from Grove, Grove Park to Victoria, but it also stops in Catford, um, Elton, Lucian, New Cross Cape, New Cross, together. So we would just get on the bus, I'm in the other bus, and strike when we're going to strike, for that nice, whatever. Um, Jif, people couldn't see. It was, yeah, it was, there was a lot going on. And so you do, like, say you do, there'd be sort of multiple robberies on that bus. If there's 10 people on the bus, they everyone be getting robbed, and not Yeah, you just jump off at your stop. Um, that's what I saw, yeah, a lot of the oldest too, still. Yeah. Jeez. And so did you end up getting, like, obviously arrested more times during this point here? And... Well, I was always getting arrested. Okay. But the camera's been up on the bus and that kind of... You have to change your hustle after that? Yeah. Do you get it? That's just one of many. Okay, so you as, get, a, as a 13 year old. And so, obviously, you're getting arrested frequently. At a certain point, obviously, you've ended up being sent to young offenders. What age was this and what was this specifically? Was it a, more of an accumulation of crimes or what was the specific? I, think I, I went to Jamaica 86 January. Um, came back 87 January, 1987. Snowing, never forget. And from that, that was just on the streets. To get, yeah. Um, I've discovered girls. I've discovered money. You, and I'm part of a gang. Were, get? were you smoking at them times there? Did you start smoking weed and all this? Were you Ash and weed. Were you smoking while you're in Jamaica? So I forgot. To... Weed. Yeah. Yeah, if you smoke it even raw, it grows out there. Mm. Stage where we used to buy it, dollar stick, creme de creme. Did you get it? Yeah. So yeah, definitely was he was definitely smoking all the time while I was there. Mm. And in terms of like with getting like thirteen, fourteen, were you 
was, were you not into drug dealing or selling drugs at that point there, or was it just more the robbery thing? It was more the robbery thing than yeah. um, fighting with other gangs. Okay, um, so the postcode stuff had sort of started at that early ages and that, was it? Yeah, um, Deptford, Catford, there was two teams to get it, I think. Um, you had the oldest from the ghetto, ghetto man them. And you had loads of ghetto man them. Um, it was also part of the Catford team. But if I'm ghetto, you get it. Uh, on paper, they're backup dancers to the other team. They're supposed to be more serious on paper, you get it. Yeah. There's team, people within that team, 87, 88, who had firearms and were shooting people, you get it. Um, yeah, so that's how, that, that's how, that's, 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 that's how, um, I went down bro. And so what age was it that you end up going to the Young Offenders that all end up coming on top? When I was 13. 13 you went to Young Offenders? I got four months DC. Yeah. East Sutton Park. And DC, what's that? Detention Centre. Yeah, Detention Centre, okay. And so how was that? For a load of robberies. And how was that at that point there? I'm sure it must be crazy for a 13 year old going in the system. What are the ages of the people that you're in? You must be one of the youngest, isn't it? Bro, I was moving mad. First they put me into um, open secure units at Orchard Lodge over Annerley Way, Stamford House over West London. Um, I think it was Gold Oak Road, I believe. And then, uh, then they put me in a secure part of those units. So now you can't get out to get it. And I'll never forget, I was with Bubbles from the Grove, big up Bubbler. And when the exercise yard in Stamford House, playing tennis and we can hear the clips over in the carnival and we're like yo fuck this bro he's bigger than me innit so we made a plan he grabbed him I took the keys <sighs> opened the door he was renovating next that side opened the next door let's go and we got away to get so and, yeah you broke out we literally broke out. He, he gave himself up two days later with a big parcel. I got caught maybe a week later, something like that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, mad. And so then obviously it was straight back to the madness of all your gang and all this sort of stuff. Normal. And um, obviously you're around older people, like you say, were you seeing yeah. firearms at these sort of points where you hang around with boulders? Nah. Slightly away. A lot of fights, as I said. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fights between Ghetto and Peckham or get on Brixton. It was always going off, do you get it? Um, and at that point there, were there fist fights or were there knives involved? Knives, bottles. Yeah, so people were getting hurt still. Mm. And in terms of on the street, was it just still like more robberies and stuff like this at this point, or what was the gang up to? At my stage, I mean, yeah. I'm only 13. Yeah. So, um, there, are, there is another guy called Dean Wilson who became my right hand man later on. Um, while I was doing what I was doing, he was actually an apprentice for the Yardies who were running Lovelinch. They're shopping, they get mm. shifts and they're earning good money on big cargoes. And um Yeah, so they were serious that time the He was on right? that. I was on that to get it. And then when I went jail, I got nicked. He got nicked. We then we bucked in jail, we really speak on the road too much became friends. So when we came home, we just set the pace. 
Yeah. As I was saying to you earlier off camera, I realised the other day I haven't mentioned him once. But that was the right hand for a period to get. Yeah. I realised it because I was angry with him about a certain issue. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's like I kind of erased him from... Do you get it? But yeah, big up Dean Wilson, yeah. Yeah, so he, so you, you end up um, sort of meeting with Dean Wilson in the Young Offenders, was this? Was this your no, first this time? Yeah, Young Offenders, yeah. yeah. And... Um, H&P Ellsbury. Okay. We met him on the road. Yeah. But we're in the same job, on the same area. We get on. Yeah. Going road, we're going to make money. We're going to go for it. Yeah. And so real quick, in the Young Offenders, what was, was there lots of fighting going on in there and stuff yeah. like this? Was it real crazy in there? Yeah, H&P Ellsbury. Um, obviously Felton to begin with. That was a bit, a bit more wilder. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And um, so when you come out of um, one of the, at one point from the Young Offenders, it, you mentioned a guy called Bucky Mark in some of your uh, videos. And so he was sort of running these sort of youngers at a certain point. Did you sort of end up sort of partnering up with him when you came out? And Yeah, that's right. That's correct. Getting involved with him, and then, and then obviously was Dean involved at these points here? Was he? Yeah, Dean was obviously close to me in it, so we'd be together on a daily. Okay. Um, but for this period, I might have been playing with Bucky Mark just as much. Do you care? Yeah, and so you and Bucky Mark were real close then at that point. Yeah, we're rolling like we're getting bread in it. And I'm in the getting bread business, so yeah, we're we're getting it in for that 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 three month period. And this is when you got introduced to some of the, the youngest uh, Sparks and Del P and all these sort through Bucky Mark and then also through Bucky Mark. I already knew all of them. Yeah. Um prior to coming out. And um, he sort of had them wrapped around it. So yeah, yeah them wrapped around them. And when I came out I, I had it in my mind that um I needed to take control of these youngers. Bucky Mark's on Peckham. Yeah. And he was using them to make good money. So um whether it's the short game or the long game, yeah, it won't gonna continue. And so what was the hustle then at that point that you look were all on or what was Bucky Mark, anything he touched at that point turned to gold. I've never seen nothing like it. He would go into a restaurant or hotel, get the youths to distract whoever, get the safe keys, bust the safe, he's got fifty racks, he's gone. Like what the fuck? Normal. I remember one time we went to Strood. And we're in two taxis. It's been a long day. We hit me, it might be about R4. Shops closed R5, 6. We ain't made no money. Wanna go out tonight? Gotta buy some clubber. Pissed. And we stopped on one that deserted road. There was like a hardware shop and a pub and a ladder that went from the hardware shop up to the pub upstairs. Okay. I'm sitting there, I'm frustrated. Two of them were at the car. I see one out the ladder. Bucky's come back. Some big bag of paper. Drive. Like, what the fuck? He's going to bust the safe. He was good like that. That was just a normal daily thing for that guy. Yeah, so he was quite slick with his robberies. So did you, you learn from him yeah. and sort of, sort of kept that <coughs> going when you sort of separated from him? Because didn't... Um, Trevor come out who you'd end up meeting yeah. in the Young Offenders and then you and Trevor end up getting yeah. real close. Bucky went to jail. Um, yeah, he, he, he done his thing, I done his thing. I wasn't on that. Yeah. I, we, we went into the computer chip business. That's what we started to make our money from. 
talks about computer chips. I've heard people talk about this. Like, how would you get into the computer chip business? Like, how did you know? Obviously, everyone knows their value, but how did you know where to get them from? Who sort of schooled you on that hustle? And well, where would you get rid of them to? Obviously, I don't need to name specific people get in trouble, but sounds like a great madness now. It was a crazy era. Basically, there was different guys who we would call peelers. They buy that product. Computer boxes. First got warm, maybe 92. I jumped on it early, maybe up 93. And basically, you, you just find a building that's got computers. So yeah, you, back then you had 586. That's what they called 486s. Do you get me? Uh, apples. If you get an Apple 950, that's £1,500 per one. You find a built in one floor, there's nine floors. This error is crazy. The money is ridiculous. But I'm the oldest. Obviously, Dean's my age. He's got his rental. He's going rolled. That's what we used to call it, going rolled. I got my rental. But Sparks, they're younger in it, so I'd have to get one of my girls who are around me to hire them a car they can hit the motorway. So we used to hit the motorway, clean out whatever, whether it's a university, whatever the building is, go to our peeler. And uh, they say we've got 40 grand worth of computers. Or early days, they say we've got 15 bags. Uh, it'd be like, you're going his ass, go through the metal gates. And says, yeah, yeah, tiny, turn around. Take his picture off the wall, spins the safe. Yeah, puts 15 grand on the table. Puts another 15 grand on the table. Locks the safe. Puts the pictures up. He's like, there's your 15 bucks. There's your inspiration. The phone starts ringing. I kid you not, my phone's ringing. So yeah, call me back, put it down. It rings again. He's like, no, this is too much. Wait there. Turn around, spins it again. Boom. This is where this rolls. Wait there, he goes, it's my first big thing. Goes away, comes back. Comes back with a miniature Uzi. Says, you need this, you're the kingpin. But he's gassing, man, to inspire, man, to get. And we're going out there every day. And we are getting it in. Us, several other teams around London, most notorious for me would be the Bermondsey boys. They go get a name check as well. Jody, Jody or... Mark Roswell, 70 year old, 911 Porsches, Bermondsey squad, fuck with us. No one's in it like these guys. Getting rich from these Bro, things. Bro, these guys are on the Apple Max early. So they're getting yellow pages and finding companies that use colour. If you use colour, back then you've got the Apple Max. Apple Max are £1,500 a box. You find a building that's got like 25 floors and it's all Apple Max. That's why they're pushing 911s. Fucking hell. Did you get it? And that was the lifestyle. We do that, then we go to Harrods and shop so and buy. Life's, life's changed at this point. You're seeing serious money for the first time. We're making, fucking, we're making serious money. And things are getting serious. On top of that, man's giving you a fucking machine and that. And obviously, so machine things too. are getting even more serious at this point when you've got these access to these sort of things. So what sort of age was it when this, the, <coughs> the peeler, as you said, it gave you the machine? Um, remember you said you went around to do some stuff, you ended up giving your aerobics to the machine. What sort of age was this then? That's like early 20s, bro. 
Um, yeah, early 20s. That's like 1993, four. Yeah. And so at that point there where you got the machine, were you heavily involved in like the gang beefing against the other sides and stuff like this at this point? Um, yes and no, not really. It wasn't really... I just do what I like, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like it was gang affiliated, but I was definitely a hothead. Yeah. And, um, it is what it is. Of course. And so talk to me about how long this um, the computer chip phase ran for and how that ended. Did it sort of they change something in the systems or whatever? Um, computer chip ever ran for a while. I think it ran from like 92, 93, 4, 5, 6. Mm. So, yeah. And so to, to what you were saying before, I'm guessing you've done really well during that period. Yeah. yeah made loads. Um, made a lot. Yeah, we 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 had, we we had, um saw money for the real type, the first time real money as such was it? Um, I won't say that real money. We were making real money. What did you get? It? But I feel like um, in that period there, yeah, that computership period was was the first time we started earning big money. You managed to stack anything, or were you just spending it easy come, easy go during them times? Bit of both, but it was more spend. Of course. Um, we used to rave a lot, party a lot. Um, we didn't repeat up. We didn't even repeat our clothes. We had that policy. Um, fun times. Yeah, nice. And so, how did things transcend you? Did you get involved in the sort of drug dealing and stuff like this? Turning to get into your twenties. And stuff like this, or a bit later on, I think um, we got we got arrested for handling stolen goods, eighty bags worth of computer chips. Yeah, me and Trevor, um, it's Trevor Denny. Yeah. And I got, what did I get? I think I got three years. I think he got two years. And it was during that period when I came out, the computer chip era was done. Yeah. Did you get? It? And so talk about that sentence. What time, what date was this roughly then? What year this have been? 95, I'd put it around 95. 95. And so did you and Trevor get uh, sent away together to the same prison and that get banged up together? No, we were in separate jails. I think we might have been in the same jail to begin with. Um, in fact, I don't think we was actually, I think, because we got, we got arrested at different times. Mm. Um, yeah. And so, do you remember what jails you went to during that period there? Hyde Point, Seacat, Seacat, um, yeah, yes, Seacat rounds. And obviously these sort of times when you're going into jail now, you're a known gang leader at this time, so was it slightly different? Was there more problems or more beefs with other sort of London gangs and stuff like this when you're going into jail? Um. Not really. There's, there's problems. I liked those problems at that time. Mm. So it was just full on. You get me? You come onto a wing, and you got an enemy. Yeah, I'm on him. Do you get it? That's just how it was then. Do you get it? You know, like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I was, and I was pretty wild. So, um, unfortunate that during that period, um. Yeah, I didn't take any losses. 
So you're running things within the jail system at them times? Or not? I wouldn't say running things within the jail system, but we're doing our thing. You know how it is. And them see catch, you touch there. You've got a girl on the road. You've got a couple of girls on the road. They bring the parcels in. So you've got all the parcels. You're controlling everything on the wind goes through you. You're making money. You can send your girl to Gucci. She, she's happy. She's happy on the road. Everyone's happy. Mm. Yeah, so it, well, it, I didn't really deep it too much, but that was just normal procedure. Of course. And so you ended up doing a couple of years then of that three, was it, uns unscathed? Eight in months. And got out, like I said, the computer chip thing was done then. And so it was a new hustle. What were you lot on at that time then when you got it out? Was, um, it was the drug hustle. That's what was going on at that point. Um, yeah, drugs. We were robbing them or selling them. Building up hotlines, whatever. That, that was, that's what was going on. And what was it? Was it weed or was it the, the harder stuff? Both. Both, yeah. Just anything and everything you were just shutting in it. Yeah. And um, so you've spoken about the um, problems with the Brixton lot and the Kentford lot and stuff like this, but at a certain point, the problems developed with the Tottenham lot. How did that transcend? Or what sort of time was it at this era? Or was it? Um, that was a later era, man. That was like a bit further down. That was more... Um, Ninety-seven, ninety-eight. So it wasn't too far. So this was so when you came out of jail. It was sort of mid ninety-six, was it? Some mid ninety-six, maybe ninety-seven. Yeah. And so you never actually stayed out for long, did you? At any given periods, did you? It was just revolving door for you at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously, jail wasn't a um, deterrent for you at that point. They used to thrive in there like where you were on the streets as such. So I say thriving. As, as best you can in the jail environment. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, would you ever? I know you said you're obviously hustling and making money, and they're sending money to your girl. Would you be in a position where you'd be coming out of jail with money? Did you ever? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Normal. Yeah. And at certain points, would it, you, is it easier to make money in jail than out of jail? Would you say? Um. I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, you also got to be a certain sort of character to be able to hold it down in jail. The jail sort of hustling and such. So everybody's got to hustle. It would be naive to think um, just the top guys or just the loud guys or just the real guys are in jail hustling. Everybody's got to hustle. You've got to eat. Yeah. Okay. So um, so like I said, when you got out of jail mid-96 then, you're getting involved in the drug thing. Um, like I said, before you've gone away, there's you've been presented to your first machine. When machines and guns are a lot more prevalent now at this point in here. You're getting a little bit older in your 20s. Um, yeah. 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 And so, were you still having beefs with the Brixton lot and was it the Catford lot at these times there as well? No, I wasn't really having no beef with the Brixton lot. I had an issue with one person. Okay. Um, that beef was ongoing, obviously. And so you managed to sort of keep your head down for a certain given period and just on your hustling thing with the gang, was it? And so... How strong were the GB Ghetto Boys at that time there then? Were they quite a strong gang as such? Was it quite big in terms of numbers? Um, yeah, they were strong enough. Um, I was the flagship. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was, so, yeah we, 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 yeah, we were definitely strong. Was Dean still your right hand at them times there? 
Yeah, the, uh, yeah, definitely. Dean, Sparks, Trevor, yeah, they was all about. There was others about as well, but they were the inner circle. Yeah, because obviously <coughs> it was during these sort of times, I think, that um, sort of the turn of Central, just before the GB and Getabot and Deptford got a real big name for itself, didn't it, within London's quite a feared gang, isn't it? And it's only carried on up until this point. Um, so was there certain was there certain gunplay going on with certain gang members and stuff like this? Every to be honest with you, every day was gunplay. Really but I was that? the only one in the team who had a gun. Okay. I was the only one in the team who was busting a gun. So when you talk about 1992, 1993, 1994, 1995, yeah. 1996, the household names from my team, Sparks, Trevor, they hadn't even bust a gun yet. So all the gunplay that's going on on the streets is me. Do you get it? So, um, yeah, the GB brand is obviously, it's growing, isn't it? Because I'm going to other areas, like Brixton, you yep. know, my issue with Penny. Yep. And that, that was like a W, do you get it? Do you know like that? I'm going to different areas and I'm coming back with W, so obviously the brand is... So can we talk about your issue with Half a Penny then? And what, how that happened, how that came around, what was the issue and how did it get resolved? <sighs> And he was a leader of Brixton at the 28th, wasn't he, at this point? He was a 28th boss, yeah. yeah. Um, a lot of people... Another very feared gang, sorry to interrupt for a second at that time. It's got a heavy name, isn't it? It did uh, create a big name. Yeah, 100%. Um, with Penny, it was just a, it was, it was a situation where we went on a, a move. It was an inside job. Not a major, maybe eight, nine bags, something like that. Um, and he fucked it up. And um, yeah, and that's what we fell out of. Without going into too much detail, basically, I had a girl who worked at Concord. She had an inside job. She went some dog. She called me. I called him. Took him on the the work, and he fucked it up. And then yeah, and that was it, really. Um, there was one knife in the car. I remember. That particular day, me and Penny was in the car, and when he would have the knife, he was the baddest man in the car. Do you get it? I'm driving in it, and he'd be like, "Yo, pussy, I'll stab you in your face," you know. You get me? All that in jest, but the man with the knife, everyone felt it. Yeah, and then I would have the knife half hour later, and it would be the same. Be like you're a dickhead, I just poke you in your eye. Did, you know, like it was that kind of anyway. Cut the story short, the move fell through and got back to Brixton, burnt out my car, and yeah, this went me at me. Something had to be done at that point there, and so obviously, I don't want you to, to incriminate yourself, but what did how did it get resolved? Obviously, you've gone to Brixton to, to find him, or that guy's too deep into it all, like. Um, that same day, um, you had to lay it down, yeah. Um, and it was that day, I, I would say, when my whole game changed. That was the day where I was like, fuck, I'm not taking no check from no man on, on planet Earth. I will blow off your head. Yeah, this guy's violated, I'm gonna violate you. You get me? 
and we can war every single day. Do you get it? But from this day to day, no man ain't taking no more limits. Do you get it? Can you burn out the car? Do you get it? Um, that's how that played out. Yeah, and at that point there, like you say, you're taking it to new levels and you're not backing down. And Well, it, 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 it got kind of messy, obviously. Um, there's a lot of moving parts in it and obviously Penny's girl got kidnapped and she got she got stripped search. I mean she got stripped yeah it was a mad time to get yeah it was definitely a mad time mm. so yeah I can imagine things sound like they're going crazy you have problems like say half Penny's leader of the Bricks a lot then suddenly year down the line you're having problems with the Tottenham lot and so things were really going to like next levels and you're getting real deep in the game, like you said, these times. Do you know what? I'm not really watching Penny, to be honest. Do you get it? I'm watching him, I'm not watching him. Penny's someone you're watching in jail, really, to be honest with you. Mm. No disrespect to him. RIP, do you get it? Yeah. Um, when the world, we're making bread, we've got machines. And we feel, him, fuck, we feel invincible, do you get it? Yeah. That's how I felt, do you get it? So, um, whatever's whatever. Um, and as I said, it wasn't an issue with the old of Brixton or the 28s per se. I had family within the 28s. A couple stepbrothers within the 28s. A first cousin within the 28s. Friends within the 28s. Did you get it? Um, and I think that's what made it easier for me during that situation with Penny. Because the support that he would have normally had, he didn't have. Do you get it? His own team, like, let's go for this guy. He can't even say that to his own team. He's talking because he's in a circle. Two of my half brothers and one's my first cousin. They're looking at him like, huh? Never going to come right on you. So, um, so that's why it didn't escalate as such through these bonds or family ties that you had. Do you get it? Mm. Um, yeah. And so, obviously, moving into 97, 98, you're saying, obviously, then the problems developed with um, the Tottenham lot. But I remember you listening to your YouTube videos where you said you'd met Mark, obviously, in the Young Offenders and stuff like this. And so you knew each other. There was a mutual thing. So how did it sort of develop and where did the problems come with them lot? Obviously, we met him back in the day in jail. Yep. Um, juvenile days, HMP film, as you rightly refer to the audio book. Um, then yeah, it just went all went it went all wild around '97 when all the wars started kicking off. Um, the East Coast, West Coast beef. Um, that's when yeah, it went a bit. Anyway, without talking about um, the specifics of a certain situation, what was it that sparked all this sort of stuff off? That what got you involved with going against North and? Um, how did you? How did your side, and how did you get dragged into it? Ally from East. I've had a few allies from East. Um, that's how I was sucked into it. You get? Um, yeah. So, if, 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 so there's no sort of said violation against you or your. <coughs> You inherited your friend's beefs, your friend's beefs. Yeah, no, set violation on myself. Yeah. Well, 
you know. And so I know at certain points things got obviously super serious between you and the Tottenham lot, and you end up having a real close shave at one time. Um, things were serious, weren't they? Can you talk about the occasion when you had a sort of close shave and you nearly got caught? It's like Stonebridge Complex, right? Yeah, I've gone to Stonebridge Complex. I shouldn't have been over there. Um, and I've gone to see a girl. But I had no machine. Um, at that point, I was rolling with the Lover Money team. There was two machines, two Mac 10s, but they was for the house because the guys had hit the mattresses. So me being me, I, would, I didn't want to stay locked up, cooped up to get it. Whereas they had a proper professional outfit, everyone's hit the mattresses. No one's, one's that Mafia War thing. Just yeah, like, no one's leaving. And, Two Mac tens and man, I'm checking doors and winning. Oh, fuck all that. Give me one of them guns. I'm going out in it. You can't, man, I was like, you can't take the machine. Machines for everybody to get. But I went anyway. Couldn't stand that. This house went went anyway, and um, got over east. I mean, I so I got over to west, and it was a bizarre one because I got there, got in the, I got in the house, the girl's house. And she lived on an actual Stonebridge complex. And I just knew straight away the vibe weren't. There was another girl there. Found out very quickly who that girl is. She was related to someone I didn't fuck with. Yeah, it's just all a set of to get. And um, straight away I've called the girl who I've gone to see. I pulled her in the bedroom and said, Yo, why is she here? I said, Listen, I'm going in there. It's all long. Don't feel right. Come out, and I've, I've caught the girl, but mid-flow with the phone. She's looking at me, eyes locked like this. Both our eyes had locked like that. And she was asking me for weed, telling me to go upstairs to get weed from the weed house. I think it was a setup. There's people up there, do you get me? But I genuinely had weed in the car, so I was like, nah. Um, I get the weed from the car. Anyway, she's called a cab. Me and her left together, gone downstairs, and um, as I've come out the door, her cab's to the right. She's gone to her cab, I've gone to the left, to my car to get the weed for her. But I've gone through the passenger door, and I've dropped my keys down by, you know where the, the, the handbrake goes? Yeah. You know, once it goes down there, it's hard to get. I was nervous to get, something just didn't feel right to get. And then, BAM! Mark, Malik, um, some some next one called D. They bust through the door, look to the right, so they ain't seen me. At that point, I'm like, fuck, if you had a machine, they'd be dead. They've come out, they've looked that way. Flap, I could have popped it off. That's what's gone through my head at that point. But I ain't got no machine, have I? So then they've looked my way. Then they're like, walk on my brother. I said, walk on my brother. So I've been, I said, yeah, I've been looking for you. So I've been looking for you too. Then mallets has gone. Burn him! Mark's popped off the thing. Squeezed to get it. But he had it on full ball. To get it. So when he's pressed the trigger, every bullet's come out. To get it. But, but then, if he had on semi wall, yeah, I doubt if I'd be here right now. To get it. Um, but yeah, he fluffed his line still. 
Ooh, so you're fucking lucky there. And so you mentioned that you'd, at this point, you're now rolling with the Love of Money crew. Um, why? Like you had your own gang. What made you go across to them? And how did this all happen? Natural progression. So yeah, I had my own team in terms of, yeah, we're GB, we've got Sparks, we've got Trevor and whatnot. Duh, 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 duh. But um, I'm climbing the ladder as well. I'm a one-man gang. No disrespect. I'm doing my own thing. Did you get it? Um, Sparks and Trevor, they're young, they're coming up. Did you get it? But um, the mainstream GB violence is committed by me solely. Did you get it? We need to make that clear because you've got a lot of people talking about GB this and GB that. Shut the fuck up. I was the only notorious man from SCA with this thing on my back. Going anywhere and coming back with all W's. Let's get it right. Do you know like that? Yeah. Let's get that clear. Apart from that, just shut the fuck up. Did you get it? That's just the fact of it. Did you get it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. i got to kind of get that in there because... Man, everyone's talking about GB now and whoa, whoa, shut up, man. I am GB. So all these little guys before, these guys now that basically they're living off our reputation. Do you get it? Yeah. That's what it is. And so there weren't sort of perceptions, but obviously these lot were your youngsters. There weren't a fallout or anything like this. It was kind of, did you keep them cool? You're still cool with all the GB lot? They were still your youngsters, even though you're working now with the love of money. It got a bit messy, to be honest. <coughs> um, Trevor done something that, I can't remember what it was. Trevor done something, and I come to the conclusion he had to go. I remember Sparks coming to visit me in the high down. Shit like this, like this, me and you. Yeah. I'm like, he's got a goal, bro. He's looking at me like I'm mad. He's like, that's like him saying, you got a goal. He can't tell me that, and you can't tell me that. That's madness. I'm trying to explain to this guy, this guy can't be trusted. He won't listen. Um, and that was when I made the decision to just do my own thing. Uh, then it was in 98 you end up getting caught with a firearm, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And so what were the circumstances, how did you get caught with it, what were you on the job, or was it just something you were carrying by this point? This... Um, I think I got nicked with Sean Rapp, oh, was Sean Atkins. Um, and we was parked outside this guy's house. I was going for this guy, um, Charlie. I mean, I was, yeah, basically, I was, I was on. I was parked outside this guy's house, and I, I thought he was, he was a snitch, and yeah, yeah, it was on him, innit? And yeah, police came. He set us up. Charlie set you up. Yeah. How did Charlie know you were outside? Or he must have seen you from outside, and then called up. Yeah. Obviously, he's probably petrified of you and your rep, uh, reputation at that point there. Mm. And what's, what strap was it then? 
Um, not major, no, Mill. No, Mill. Star, someone. And so you've ended up um, being reminded straight away. Mm -hmm. And where did you get reminded to? I can't remember, but it's been Wandsworth or Belmarsh. But yeah, we got reminded. Um, you ended up catching a four for it, wasn't it? I got a six, got a six for it. initially. He got five, he pleaded guilty. I pleaded not guilty because my prints were on the backs with the guns. His prints was on the backs. Who was driving the car? He's driving. Oh, so, so. It was a weird one, bro. By the way, it's my print should have been on it. Do you get it? But it wasn't. All his prints were on it. So he's had to go guilty. Um, I've run a been found guilty anyway, got a six. Appealed, got it up to a four. Yes, yeah, so that was harsh for you to obviously got the six straight away, like you said, and that got proved true. But it was harsh for you to even be found guilty of it, full stop, where the driver was pleading guilty to the thing for them to make sure, make sure, obviously, you. It's a fucked up one, really, because he should have come in the box. That's what he should have done. He should have got in the box and said, It's my gun, that's why I've gone guilty. Yeah? And it's not to do with him. Da -da -da -da. That's what he should have done. He didn't do that. Okay, so he pled guilty before, but could you not call him as a witness during your... That's what I could have done. That's what should have happened. That's what I wanted to do, but he didn't do it. Oh, well, he weren't willing to do that? No. Nah. Why not if he's pled guilty to it already at that point? He didn't. He didn't. He, he's not the sharpest tool in the book. He doesn't... He should have understood. If you pleaded guilty, you can wipe me out. Yeah, it's Why not going to hurt him anymore. Like... Ridiculous. But yeah, that's what happened. And you didn't fall out over that then? Oh, didn't fall out over it, but... Yeah, you just know what kind of person you're dealing with, innit? Yeah, and so like I said, you got it down to a four, so you've ended up having to serve a couple of that, was it, two, two years? Eight, two eight. Two eight. And what was, why was the extra eight for that, what was from messing around or getting in trouble? No, so you've you done two thirds then, I think, you've done two eight. Oh, was it, you did two thirds at that point? Yeah, you've done two eight. And then it got cut down to a certain point, oh, it's halved it then. Yeah. Okay. So you've ended up coming out of jail after two years and eight months. Um, so talk to me, what year was this roughly then? Was this like sort of 99 or something? Fuck, you know, what was it? I think we got, we got 95. 95, so I yeah, not, not quite that, so 98. I think it was 97. 97 you got out around these sort of times. I believe so. And so talk to me about the mindset, what you had going on, what was going on in your life, what's going on? When you're landing? Um, 9-7, that was a very hectic year in terms of beef on the streets and roads were dangerous. Uh, there weren't so much cameras around then, you know, so it's a different kind of um, level of violence, I believe. Um, but yeah, so yeah, yeah, it was just, it was just that get them before they get me mentality. Stay low, stack bread, keep it pushing. And so, you know when you came out at these times there, were you still in Deptford messing with GB lot per se, or was it with the love of money Hackney lot I've released this time? Um, fuck, you know, I think first, I think I was still kind of fucking the GB lot at the start of the year. 
And yeah, at, at the start of the year, by the end of the year, I was, I was fucking with the LOM lot. And so, how did the LOM link up come for you um, to end up being involved with them? Was it through mutual enemies? Were they beefing north as well at them times? No, or? I just knew some East Coast guys, younger lot, that knew them. And uh, through business. Yeah, we became friends. Yeah. And so when was it that you and Fox ended up coming close? Was it through these times here? That... Do you know what? With Fox, obviously I knew about Fox from way back. Do you get it? He's a high profile guy out of Hackney, you know, like that. So and he was known as a, a, a rubber man back in the day and a knife man. So he, he had a reputation. So I already knew about it. But when I linked up with the LOM lot, um, the boss for the, that outfit, which was Escobar, Colin Graham, RIP, he was just like, from the start, I can't wait for you to meet Fox. I can't wait for you to link Fox. You two are just the same. Do you get it? That was just his vibe from earlier. So we kept saying, but Fox was in jail. Do you get it? Then, um, and then I think I, I met him in jail briefly. I went to Brixton or one of them jails. Very briefly, I, 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 I met him. And went, I remember we went to the um, gym and there was a little incident uh, where we had to kind of violate one new. Then I went home and Fox come home and Fox come home now. Yeah, we just went back to back. Mm. And did the Love and Money crew have problem with North at them times? Yeah. 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 That was the war. The, 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 yeah. The, the war. Fox has, has become love and money by default, so to speak, because his friend Kenny became love and money and was killed. Did you get it? Yeah. When Fox came on, obviously, he became a part of that syndicate, which was, it was a natural step up from obviously where, where he was at before he went to jail, if that makes sense. Yeah. And obviously at them times there, like you just touched on previously, there was obviously, weren't the cameras and all that sort of stuff like today, so there was obviously, I guess a lot more gunplay and stuff like this, and it was really active between you lot, guys. Yeah, the streets was very active in those days. Because, um, yeah, man would give it to you anywhere. Do you know, like that, it was just that kind of, yeah, anywhere. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And so the North Tottenham lot, they were real dangerous, obviously, opposition at them times. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm. No one can't take that away from them. It was very dangerous. And so how about, how are you earning, obviously, the computer chip era, as I'm guessing, fully done at this point here. So how are you earning your money at these times? How are you getting bread was you, have you got into the drug game at these times at all you're not selling drugs with dick or was it robberies um we're going to two deep but it's well documented within certain documents i was involved in drugs um criminal activity yeah and so obviously at certain points you've ended up coming down to brighton ways when did you start coming down to brighton it said that from documents I read that you was just trying to set up a drug empire or trying to take over Brighton. 
What, when did you first come down to Brighton? What year was that? Yeah, I don't believe everything you read, bro. Um, so what's um, the truth of that situation yeah, I then? I wasn't trying to set up no empire, but um, yeah, I, li I, I lived down there. Um, I had a couple, I had two girlfriends down there. One in Worthing, one in Brighton. Um, but obviously I did get involved in the criminal side of things down there, which led to obviously me going to prison. I'm not going to really speak about anything criminally wise that's going to upset the victims in my case. I'm sure you can understand that. Of course, but um, touching on the numbers, obviously, I think when you end up getting convicted, it was of um, 34 offences, ranging from attempted murder, false imprisonment, GBHs, robberies, firearms offences, aggravated burglaries. So it's as serious as it gets offences-wise, you're really For sure. a job at that period. So what, you were, excuse me, you, you were kind of reckless with it and just on job to the fullest at that time. But what was the mindset? You were down for whatever and it was ride or die sort of mindset at that time. It's definitely ride or die mindset that time in terms of generally. Um, I think when you're living that lifestyle of, you know, people want to kill you or you're looking for people, you have to have that mentality where you'll go all the way in terms of generally. What you're asking, I'm not really going to go into too much. As I said to you, I don't want to really touch on anything that's gonna cause anyone distress but what I will say is I explored um, the pattern of my offending while I was in jail. Did you get it? Yeah. Via several different courses, the main one being SCP. So I was able to identify my triggers and why I went as extreme as I did. Did you get it? Of course. Um, I think what I will say to you is my mentality was if you was involved in drugs or the drug game, you're fair game. Yeah. Do you get it? Yeah? Because in my head it's like well drugs goes hand in hand with guns and guns goes hand in hand with death. If you get involved in drugs, that's do you get it? Yeah, I understand that. I'm not able to identify that obviously that was a rigid way of thinking, do you get me? Yeah. But that was my mindset then, it is my mindset now. Of course. And so, how did it all come to an end though, um, That the crime spree and that? How did you end up getting caught? Obviously, I read that you got arrested on the high road after a chase, but what were you wanting for a given period? Um, I feel, what happened again? I, feel, I, I think I was arrested originally in Brighton, but I was released. And then, um, my birthday, 2001, so that would been October the 22nd. And I was returning to my bike the following morning. That's when the police showed up, armed police, chase. I was arrested with a firearm. 
Yeah. Yeah, that was the home. Were you rolling with fire 24-7 at that time? So? Yeah, 24-7. Yeah. So it's, it's a crazy mindset, but obviously so far, I think getting caught with that one in the sort of times you lived in then. Well, at that point, you, I'd rather get caught and go to jail for four or five years than caught slipping by up an ankle. I'm not armed. I was armed every day, 24 7. Yeah, and who, obviously from the Tottenham lot, was Mark the leader at them times there when you were real beef against New York? Yeah. Okay. And so obviously, when you end up getting caught, you end up getting reminded. Um, where did you get reminded to? Um, originally, it was Belmarsh. Belmarsh. And what charges originally? Because I'm sure it weren't the 34 charges, and then they end up stacking up against you while you're on remand, is it? I don't think they had charged me for the attempted murders yet at that point. Um, it might have been a few months later, maybe in January. And how does that come about then? Did you get a letter under your door one day while you're in the cell site that you're getting charged with the next thing with your lawyer? Obviously, they got informed of the legal team that um, further charges could be coming. They may want to question me further or they want to question me further. So we, it, it, it wasn't a secret that um, further questioning and further charges could follow today. So I think mean, around January, I got moved to HMP Highdown. And how, how was that at these times there when you've obviously got beef on the streets so bad going on? Or did you end up coming in contact with any of your enemies during these times? Yeah, a few times in, 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 in a couple of times in Belmarsh. I think I spoke about them. Um, I don't know. And the ones in Belmarsh, any sort of serious consequences for you behind them? You end up getting hurt or? Nah, I think the one in Highdown. I think I spoke about that recently. Not Highdown, Arm Belmarsh, which is one of Lambie's soldiers. Yeah. Diany. Um, some guy with one hand with a little altercation where he, he ran onto my wing with a power and an arm. Um, what did they have? Some form of weapon. But I knew they were coming at a table leg, so I chased them off. I got nicked for the table leg, they got nicked for coming onto the landing. Fast forward the following morning, going to the set on adjudication. They put me in the same set as him and a few other people, random. Yeah. You know how it goes from there. Of course. Discipline. Yeah. And so how long was it when you were in Ramon before, before your trial was then? So how and how long was your trial set for? Um, I don't know. When was my trial? My trial started... Maybe, yeah, but about 12 months, mm. 14 months, something like that. And... Um, three months trial. Talk to me about your legal team. I guess you had a top barrister or QC. In your case at the time? Do you know, my legal team was fucked, bro. Originally, I had Courtney Griffiths. 
to me at that point is one of the best, if not the best QC in the game. I had him and I think I had, I had Jane Hickman, who's a very good solicitor. Um, then the dates got changed for the trial. Courtney couldn't make those dates, so I had to pick someone else. Wasn't happy about that. So I picked this guy called Jerome Lynch. I've seen that drone before on a BBC documentary. Yeah. Um, with Giovanni Destfano, who was working with him. Exactly. On the Hugenstrucken case, I think it was. So I picked him now. Yeah. Gone to trial, but I'm giving him questions. Now remember, at this point, I've read every document. Forensically, I'm sure. Bruv, there's thousands of pages. Remember, it's five cases. And so how long was your trial set for? Three months straight. Fucking hell. Yeah. Old yeah. Bailey, yeah? Yeah, I'm in a block as well. Yeah. So I'm reading, I've, I've, I know, the, I know the, these documents inside out. So I'm telling him, listen, this Jerome Lynch guy, this is what I want you to ask him, X and Y. And he went, he went in and he didn't ask the questions, but when he came back, I didn't like the answer he gave me, bro. Yeah, he let he let the guy yeah he, he let the guy escape the the trap in the box and I was yeah I just said to myself you know what if I'm gonna go down it's better I go down firing my own gun rather than him holding the gun and he's not squeezing Do you get it? fuck so I just sacked him yeah I'm defending myself how about that. And so this was deep into the case then, because obviously you're on the defence side. Day two, though. this is day two, bro. Day two of the case? This is day two, bro. Shit. And so talk to me about how that would happen then. Did they like, pause the case for a couple of days in order for you to like, get all paperwork and stuff like this? And what was going on? Did they take you out? The they pause. I think they paused it for a day, might be a day or two days. They pause it, they get me all the documents. Did they try and say to you, you didn't have a legal team then or something like this? And you said... There was a problem, and the problem was that the new legal team would have wanted to delay the trial and they weren't willing to do that? They weren't delaying. Where the, where the problem lied legally was that I had to get legal advice on points of law, which you get. So um, what the judge done, he said to my solicitor, you're going to have to give him legal advice. Oh, on so you kept your solicitor on? The solicitor's on, yeah. You're going to have to give him legal advice on points of law as and when they arise, yeah? He's kept the case moving. But she was never in court. That was the that was the problem. And the clerk that was there was advised not to give me no form of legal advice because they wasn't qualified, only to take notes. So I've got an accurate account of what's being said in court on a daily basis, you get. So that's what that's what happened. So then by the end of the case Crazy there, but pause that for two seconds. You know like were you in the Dock, or were you allowed to come down, like to have a big desk and stuff like this, or were you down no, at the glass? No, no, I was in the dock. You're still in the dock, though. Behind, the, like, behind the glass, I kid you not, like ridiculous archboards everywhere. Plus, remember, I'm on six and an SO. That's six screws and an SO. I'm in a safe. So you've got six screws in this little box all sitting down, plus the SO. Then you've got my Cody Nolan. Yeah, he was on animal mode. He's got that six with him. So can you picture this box? And you got me there with this arch ball trying to defend myself. What was the jury looking like? 
Chewy's the jury, man. Did, what, did you get a good feeling from them during it on those? So talk to me about how the case went representing yourself then. Like, it must be an absolute murder. Like, it must be a nightmare. Yeah, it was. It was. Do you feel, how do you feel like it's going to talk to me about how you did it and how it worked? Do you know what? I'll be real with you, yeah? It's crazy. I feel like I gave a good account, you know, because I knew the documents inside out. Do you get it? Um, and I, I, at one point, I had a good feel for the jury. Do you get it? Yeah. I think what happened, there was there was a point in the case where they found DNA on a cigarette butt, yeah, at the crime scene in Brixton, yeah, and he said one billion to one it belongs to my uncle, Martin Campbell, yeah, that's what the statement said, yeah, by the time we got to trial, there was another statement, and it said, they went to Mr. Campbell's house and told him we've got your DNA on a cigarette by a crime scene, one billion to one, how long how did it get there? And Mr. Campbell said, it ain't mine, because I've never given you my fucking DNA. And shut the door. Yeah, so they goes, after further tests, we can now clarify, we made a mistake, it belongs to Mr. Campbell's nephew and Mr. Robinson's cousin, Mr. Dean Martin, one billion to one, yeah? So at trial, that's the document. So I've got this officer in the box. And I'm saying, do you know what perjury is? And he's like, yeah. Tell the jury. Explain to the jury what perjury is. So explain what perjury is. Yeah. So I'm saying it's forensic, a vital part of this case. It's critical. Yeah? So yeah. Get the statements and what gets the statements. So first you said it was Mr. Campbell's, alright? He's gone, yeah, we made a mistake. We further test show that it belonged to your cousins, Mr. Dean Martins. And that's one billion to one, yeah? He's gone, yeah, that's one billion to one. It can't be wrong, he goes, it can't be wrong. So then I gave out the, my first, one of my exhibits, which was a letter a statement from the governor of Dartmoor where Dean Martin had been for the last four years. So it definitely ain't his. So the jury's got a copy of that statement. So I'm saying, listen, Mr. Dean Martin's been in custody for the last four years. Therefore, he could not have been at the crime scene. Therefore, those statistics you're reading to us can't be correct. Explain to the jury how that's possible. He's looking at me. He's looking at the sheet. He's looking at the judge. I've got my man. He can't move, bro. Yeah? Because forensics is important. You follow me? And the judge just jumped in and said, We're going to break. We're going to break till tomorrow. That time's only 11 o'clock or something, bro. I'm like, What are we talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. Break. That officer went missing. I didn't see that officer for about four days. Four days. No one's told me nothing. He's gone. He pops up after four days, he comes, he's like, yeah, I'm back. He's like, yeah, further, further testing went on and we looked at certain other little records and we made a mistake, one billion to one, it's yours. I'm saying, yeah? He's like, yeah, yeah, it's yours. That's how they slipped the net. Yeah. Critical part of the case.
I'm just, see, there must be a lot to the case though where it's going on for three months now. It's, it's you had loads of issues like that that I'm battling. Yeah. But what I was doing as well, I think what that, this is why the, me and the judge fell out, was there was a lot of unused evidence, like unused statements that were very damaging um, to the prosecution that a normal barrister couldn't introduce because it's unused. Yeah. Whereas I was just introducing it. To get it, it might be just for example, um, witness A um, got Nick for 55 knives, whatever, it's okay. But they don't want the jury to know about it. Yeah, yeah. So I just call the clerk and say, look, could you give the jury a copy of this and the judge and the clerk? By the time they, I just start reading it out. The judge's like, take him down, take him down, take I'm like, well, take me where you've got to wait till I come back because I'm, you can't do this. Madness. Take me down. It's mad upsetting the judge at the same time, obviously it's not a good well. It wasn't, but at the same time, the way I felt then, I felt like from the barrister situation, I wasn't getting a fair crack of the whip. And I I, I, kind of like deep down knew that I was going to go down anyway. Do you get it? So it's like, yeah, fuck, my mentality then was like, fuck the system, if if I'm honest. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously it's ended up going the wrong way and talk to me about the day of the verdict then when the jury were gone out of panel without for. I can't even remember to be honest. Um wait a bit a minute. And obviously they come back with the wrong verdict. And then how long after was the sentencing from the verdict? Was it like a few weeks down the line or was it literally the next day? Don't quote me, but yeah, I think it might have, it might have been a few weeks. And um, didn't you refuse to come up to the sentences? Did you just stay in? Yeah, I can't even remember, you know, but so I'm told, um, which would have been about right, because I, I knew what kind of sentence I was getting. So um, with my mentality back then, I think, yeah, I would have been like, I'm not going. Yeah. And you've ended up... Um, Unfortunately, this in the papers it says you got a double life sentence, but it was that's confusing at the same time. But what did you actually get? What was the sentence? Do you want to break it down? I got two life sentences. Yeah, which means one's that one for each um, shooting, um, and then on top of that, for firearms, the kidnappings, and all of those charges. I've got something like 104 years. However, my tariff, which means as a life on it, as a, as a, if, if you get sentenced to life, you've got to be given a tariff. That means the time that you'll serve. Mine was only, I think, 11 years, nine months. Yes. And I say only in terms of someone who gets nicked for, just say, a, a gang murder with a gun. Their starting is, is 35 years. Yeah. Okay. And so was that pretty much the ballpark of what you're expecting, would you say? If I got found guilty? Yeah. Like, yeah, the judge made that clear uh, from early days that if I run if I run if I run the race, he's gonna hit me with that whole play. He knew that early. Yeah, so you ended up getting eleven. Um 
11, and what do you say, 11 and 6? Is that a minimum? 11 years, 9 months. 11 years, 9 months minimum. And so at that point there, you'll see it high down at these points. No, no? I mean, um, I mean um, Belmarsh. I mean, Belmarsh in a block and I get sentenced. Yeah. The day after I get sentenced, I get moved on to the unit. Okay, is that what the CAE unit is that? The unit is a prison within a prison in Belmarsh. Yeah, is that, that's the CAE unit, yeah? This cat is an iris on there. Yeah. You've got the cat A unit, which is asked before, yeah. or used to be, I'm not sure now. And then you've got the special unit. The double cat A's. Is this yes. Place. That's the bit, yeah. Yeah, fuck. Yeah. So that's where you've been sent. Do you Cody get sent there as well? No, my Cody, because um, they won't let us locate yeah? And we've been moving the time, we've been moving kind of mad during the trial. We just beating them. Do you get me? Just move to them. Like, we're in a block in it, moving crazy. But my cold E, he said he ain't coming out the block until he ain't coming out the block or cutting his ear until he gets justice. What the fuck? And so how long did he wait to try to find that justice? He stayed in the block, bro, fighting them. Um, yeah, just, you know, a mad one. So he ended up on the CSC unit with Charles Bronson. Mad. And so talk to me about the, the obviously the, the double cat A unit though, Belmarsh, that's crazy, that's obviously notorious, infamous, one of the worst places in the system, it's as bad as it gets, isn't it? I would agree with that bro, I think you're Or is this high, this is going to be as... Most secure. Yeah, most secure. Most, it's the most, most secure, but I wouldn't say one of the worst in, in terms of prisons, we've got a member in those places there, um, in the criminal world, it's the criminal, the criminal, whether it's the terrorists who cool. try to blow up a bust in Wimbledon, or the fraudists who defrauded 10 billion, or gang leader from North London who's worked, did you get it? That's where they are. So what you'll find is that level of criminal, they're very respectful. You don't get the nonsense, so it's like you're not going to get trivial arguments as you would on within other prisons. Does that make sense? Of course. So they're not, in terms of to do your bird or your remand, yeah. it isn't bad to be around good caliber of people who know how to conduct themselves. Yeah, indeed. So, how many people are on this unit then, roughly? Um, 12 or 14. Yes, not many. I'd say 12 or 14 because you've you got different you got different floors. So our floor might have two, then you've got the twos, then you might have the ones. I'm sure that the, the other side as well. Do you get yeah. it? There's different different spurs. That's the, that's the one. And so talk to me about some of the characters like you just touched on there. When you landed there, there must have been some infamous characters around you that will see none to the public. Um, I can't really remember none to... To be honest, uh, only people I really remember there, I know Dean Smith was on there from out of Bermondsey. Um, blacker, good guy. Um, we got Dean Smith. Yeah, when he left, he left me his Casio TV. He was a thing. You know, him small little TVs. Yeah. Um, obviously, Gary Tyson, he came next door to me when he came onto the unit. Who else is on there? I can't remember anyone else. Scary's obviously uh, 
got a massive reputation and um, infamous in the streets. You know, um, talk to me about your obviously your relationship. With I, I, I get on with Gary, but do you know what it is? Oh, um, I, I, I didn't see enough of Gary. Um, obviously, I, I went I went to school with him, boarding school. At that point, you see a lot of it. Um, and he was a couple of years he was a couple of years older than me as well. Did you get it? But after leaving the school, I didn't see much of Gary. If anything, did you get it? Of course. But obviously, as the years go by, I boom, I start to hear about him and whatnot. Da, 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 da. And it was funny. Um, I still didn't see him. Until 2001, um, that early morning, like quarter past 10 or something, and where the old South London Press um, uh, um, office used to be. He had a shop there, I didn't know this. But anyway, I had, I had a car parked around the corner. I'm walking around, I've got the Mac 10 in a rucksack, I'm holding this, it's daylight, isn't it? Nervous on the road daylight, I don't like daylight. Coming around, I see Gary in the jack. I say, that's Gary. I kept bopping. Person I'm meeting, relaxed. First person I'm meeting, I'm meeting him at Stratton Station. It's a, it's a chick, in it? Um, celebrity chick, in terms of doing a little bit of TV. This is why I'm taking the risk, like a dickhead, in daylight being in the streets. Anyway, she wasn't there, so I come back around. And I said, yo, Gary. I'm over it. <laughs> I'm there, I said, what, what? He's like, I said, tiny, bummy. He sat up straight. So I'm going to give it to you up straight, innit? He sat up straight. He thought he, yeah, he thought he was done. Big man thing. He's going, who? I said, Graham Grange, blood. He looked at me again. He goes, Bowles. Yeah, bro. He used to call me Bowles at school. Says my nose like a bat, yeah? He's gone, bro, all these years I've been hearing your name. Tiny, tiny, tiny. He goes, I did not know. It was Colin, yeah. I said, yeah, bro. And we swapped numbers. Tell a lie, I gave him my number. But I gave him a number for, it was like an answer for, I didn't even have the phone no more, but I still used the voicemail box again. I gave him the number. He's phoning me. About two hours later, phoning me, leaving messages. Call me. Gee, call me, call me. I'm listening to the messages, but I can't call you because I ain't, got the, I ain't actually got the phone. I'm on, do you get it? Um, so that's how that played out. But then what's happened is obviously I've got Nick to enter. I'm on the unit. Gary's come on the wing. This is this is on the unit. Somehow he knows I'm in, I'm in what cell I'm in. So he bangs up. He's like, hey, "Pussy, on next door. Hey, tiny, you're dead." But he's putting in a voice. I'm like, "Suck your mother, pussy." He's like, "This I'm from West, but when the door opens, I'm killing you, you little pussy, old tiny. You're dead." This guy on my 20 minutes off, he's winding my up. I don't know who it is, isn't it? But I'm going in, whatever. 
thinking of son in the morning or a Christmas. Like, oh, do you get it? Like, you're in it. Like, you're, 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 yeah, it's not even a game. But I came out for phone calls that night. Bus is flat. It's Gary, innit? You just start to laugh. You know, a little wicked laugh, you get it? Um, but yeah, so he was just on the unit for a few months. He's played chess on a daily. He likes to play chess, I like to play chess. So yeah, we just burnt our time like that, do you get it? Yeah. Um, Budding weed. Nah, do you know what? It wasn't even that kind of vibe. Gary don't smoke anyway. Um, but is, was there even weed on the unit in that thing? Um, it was just madness trying to get weed in somewhere in that within the wind. I think it might come, but it's not, it's not really a priority, do you get it? Officers respectful to you on the unit though, where you lot were all obviously high levels, obviously they weren't. Yeah, officers, officers were calm, bro. Like, yeah, they were, they, yeah, they were respectful until the drama we had when they wanted to split me and Gary up. They decided one day, yeah, we're splitting you two up. Why well, were you actually causing problems, or just because you were causing problems? But maybe it was, maybe it was an issue for them. Um, we're both strong characters in it. Um, on that double cat A thing, don't you get observed like highly as well who you're mixing with and all this sort of stuff like they keep you under next levels of scrutiny, don't they? It's a very small area, isn't it? Yeah. So you're only going to go shower, use the phone. It's not like you've got a very big wide space to get in. Um, but yeah, they decided they wanted to split us up. And obviously they came for me and they said, yeah, with, yeah, 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 you. And it went off. What happened? There was a big rock with all the screws in it. Oh, yeah, they, they, were, they got, they could, obviously they got their hands on me, innit? I'm fucking fuming, like. They put me in this cell and I'm like, I'm not even having none of this, innit? I went on a dirty protest or something. Oh, shit. Yeah, stripped off. Yeah, you know what happened next. Yeah, yeah, started singing IRA songs. Who was this down in the block now? Yeah, now they moved me to the block. Was Gary down in the block as well? No, he's on the wing still. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with the block now is the block's closed because I told you everyone's well behaved over there kind of thing. Yeah. But now they're about to open the block. Do you get it? Which means they've got a manic, they've got to have maybe two officers in there. You, you get it? Mm. So I've been in this block, like singing IRA songs, innit? You can hit me, you can beat me, all that nonsense. Mm. So, how long did you survive down in the block then? How long were you down there? Do you know what? That same day the governor come, and he's like, look. I have a shower in it, like, wherever you are, wherever you are, be it tomorrow. Got 40 hours to lease. Dispersal. Alright, cool. Showers. I think the next day, bro, I was on a van to my first dispersal, HMP Franklin. Durham. And so, what is a dispersal, people who don't know that? Dispersals are. I. Security prisons. The cat A's. Just cat A's then? Cat A's, Iris, and the, you also get cat B's there. So yeah, but... Um, 
that's what it is. The ice security prison, they call it dispersals. That's HMP, Whitemore, Franklin, Long Larton, and Full Sutton. Those are dispersals. Yeah. But additionally, also, Wakefield can be also included as a dispersal. Do you get it? Yeah, they're going to be crazy, dangerous places to be. So where do you say you got sent to start with? HMP, Franklin. Franklin. And whereabouts is that? Durham. Durham. And Newcastle. Newcastle. Okay, and so what was it like when you got there? It's obviously a long way from home. Was there other people from London in there? I got there, and because I just come from the block, at that point, if you come from the block, within, you have to do a seven-day assessment at the other end. Do you get it? Because obviously you might attack staff. Of course. Check that you... So I was in the block, I was in the block. Um, Toby Johnson was down there. Who's that? Where's he from? He's from East London. Okay. So is he one of your on your side, one of your people? I can't he's not he's not he's not on my side, but um he's, he's good people, do you hear? Yeah. Toby Toby's good people, he's from the east side, he's good people. Um Um who else is down there? There's, 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 there's a few there's a there's a, few, a few guys down there. Anyway, I was down there for seven days. Then I went up onto the wing, I went up onto F wing. Lambie was on G wing. Yeah? I was on the wing 24 hours. I can imagine I've just got there, gone to reception the following morning, got my property, got it in my room, got it in my cell. Ain't unpacked it yet. Got went for lunch, come back, they've come for me. So yeah, you're going to the block. So what for? Ain't telling you. When you get there, we'll tell you. I'm like, alright, cool. Got to the block. They give me a GOAD form, which means good order and discipline. It says you've got to be segregated because information from Operation Trident, yeah, uh, that you and Mark Lamb cannot be in the same prison. That was my form. And from that day, he was never in the same place. Yeah. During that sentence. So obviously they didn't know that to send you to the jail. Do you think it was brought to their attention by other people then, by other prisoners or by Mark? Or? Well, what we do know is this, is after that officer done that, yeah, there's a PO that put me down the block with his, obviously, a few of them. He's put me there about 12, quarter past 12. In the afternoon, he's walked over to G-Wing at 2 o'clock when all the inmates are out. And in front of everybody, he said to Mark, that's two favours you owe me. Robinson's in the block and kept it moving. Yeah? Mad. Everyone's heard that. The Yardies have heard that. Escobar. Yeah? Notorious Yardie from... North, used to be in Northwest London. They've all heard it. More importantly, two junkies have heard it. Yeah? Giska. And Travis. Yeah? They're Toby's junkies. Don't Toby in the block? Yep. 
but Toby feeds them good. Toby's always got food. They're pissed Toby's in the block. Toby's been in the block a week or two weeks now. So they're thinking automatically, remember what the officer said? Robinson's in the block. That's two favours you owe me. They don't know me. They're not interested in me. But favour number one yeah. must have been Toby. They boiled up the hot oil, put stalks into a big pot. 20, 30, and then put it onto the stove, sizzling up. Run at them, bam, threw it. There's three of them at the table. Mark, Mark, Sass from Mozart, and Shaka from Labrador Grove. Shaka, convicted rapist, he got burnt up. He's out of the game. Sass, he got touched. Mark, I mean, he's Georgia, isn't he? Yeah, I've heard Mark's known to be lucky still. Like. George Powers, bro. Yes. Yeah. So you believe in all that, yeah? Well, anyone's got George Powers, it's Mark. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't acknowledge it, but... Yeah. Crazy. And yeah, that, 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 that's what happened. Um, they, they, and Giscom and Travis got taken to the block because it's on camera. Remember, this is on camera, you know? Yeah. This ain't no secret what I'm telling you. So I don't really thinking these hits happen or these fights happen in dispersed and they're quiet. No, there's cameras on the landing like you're in a fucking supermarket, bro. This is high security. They're seeing everything. Close up, too. So Giscom's gone to the block. Travis has gone to the block. Toby! We got him! Yeah, all that, yeah? Everyone's excited. Good people. Mark was still on um, G-Wing, but now the random have got him off as a grass. So the Yardies are saying, yeah, this is within hours, you know? Yeah, the following day, they're saying, yeah, drop us out. Then there's this guy called Dylan. He's a bar. He's from Birmingham. He was a barber. He had a grievance with Mark when Mark must have violated him maybe three months before verbally. But he's just seen, he just moved to Mark and punched him up. They've got Nick gone to the block. So now they're in, the following day they've gone to the block for fighting. Toby being Toby, he's on the yard and he's singing that Soul Solid song. You don't know about my crew. You don't know about my crew. He's dancing and he's very um, excited. Yeah, and each crew he's referring to Travis and Giscom. The guys who threw the up yeah, there. Yeah, of course. But Mark's in the block. We don't, know, we don't know Mark's in the block. So Mark's come to the window, yeah? Don't know about your crew, yeah? Like, what should I see on the... So their, their argument, that's what pushed him over that side. Yeah. In terms of he became good friends with Fox. Mm. To get it. Yeah. And so what, you ended up getting moved jails then again straight away, did you? From the block? No, I went, I, I, I was in the block for, because then Mark, Mark 
Remember, we can't make yeah, the same joke. I'm still, in, I'm still in the block. So you and Mark are arguing for a shouting at each other. Um. No, because Mark, remember Mark, Mark didn't stay in the block. How'd you get it? Don't get me wrong, I can't remember whether, whether him and Toby were shouting, whether I was shouting. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. I can't specifically remember. Yeah, yeah, um, it wouldn't surprise me where I wasn't. It's not really a shouting thing, do you get it? Yeah. Um, but did they move Mark out the block the following day and put him on F wing? Do you get it? Yeah. And then they got, he got moved to again. Over, the reason why I got moved to is because the guy who got burnt up his pal Shaka had done five years previously for rape. So when Mark's gone over to F wing, the guys have pulled him, like, why are you having it with that nonce? And he's turned around and said, Johnny, you're a white girl, so they moved him up. So now he's gone to the block. That's going to come to me because his time's done now. He can't go F G wing, can't go F wing. So saying, all right, you just come here, I'll give you a run. I've gone up on the wing, I was up there about a year. How's your time there? Franklin was all right. Franklin, Frank, Franklin was all right. I remember my first night I got there, I'll never forget they banged me up next to, next to Alan Lord. You know the Alan Lord? Yep, the protester at Strangeways. Yeah, they banged up next to Alan Lord. They'd be a proper man, isn't he? Proper. I got in the sun, I'm blaring out my music. <laughs> Yeah, two of our one. Twelve once. Then everyone know you arrived. And the following morning, um, he's come and knocked my door. Excuse me, mate. I'll have a word, bro. Polite, do you get it? Big lump in bro. Yeah, I've seen him, he's massive. He's like, yeah, bro, um, obviously you've just come here, but you know, we've got a little way how we do things. Ten o'clock, music. Everyone respects everyone. This is community vibe. That kind of, do you get it? So I'm like, yeah, I hear that, bro, no problem. Man, this fell in line with the program. Do you get it? Yeah. And you end up getting on all right with Bannon after that? Obviously, he's come to you nice respect. Yeah, we didn't really have too much to do with him, but definitely, um, yeah, definitely um, respected the way he approached, man. Like, he was a proper, proper, proper guy. Of course. So any communication would have been Totally respectful on my behalf. And you know, within those first couple of years of your sentence, what was your mindset like? Were you pure madness and that thinking, or were you thinking half sensibly? Were you thinking about learning, or were you doing any reading or anything during these times? Or was there any. Those first few years, I've more focused on the appeal. Yeah. Um, Had you managed to get a good legal team on side now to do this? You weren't planning on doing this again yourself, were you? I was planning on getting a, the right team together, innit? I got the evidence, I got, yeah, I obviously had to get the evidence together. But the situation went a bit, because I had to sue the slissers, the original slissers. Did you get it? Um, so they were forthcoming with certain, it got a bit messy, to say, to say the least. But yeah, uh, slissers did submit some grounds for me. Again, I had to sack them. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. Big man thing. Because I'll tell you why, you've got to understand this, is 
remember what the judge said to the solicitor. You got to give him legal advice and points to the law as and when they arise. That's the first thing. The other thing that I forgot to tell you is when I sat Jerome Lynch and he came down to the cells, the last thing he said to me is, they don't like this. You're going to win it on a pill. That's all he said and he left. Remember what the judge said? Now, her attitude, the solicitor is, I can't be here every day. I didn't plan to be here every day. I've got loads of different other cases. And I'm going to have to, uh, um, I'm going to have to, basically, I'm going to have to go and handle these situations. I'm going to have to go handle these other cases. That's what she's telling me. That's what she told the judge. So she was never there. So by the time we got to the appeal, my argument is, well, she wasn't there. She didn't give me legal advice on points of law as and when. So the conviction's unsafe. Do you get it? Yeah. And they got around it in a kind of way, but they did say that if I can identify what was unsafe and how it affected them. So the door was left open. Because the bottom line is, just legally, do you get it? That was the mindset then. Yep. And so, what ended up happening in the appeal then? Nothing happened. No, nothing happened? No, it didn't go no further. No. And so then, after that point there, then what was the mindset? Obviously, you pissed off in a bad way after that? Were you really just trying to get through your sentence, trying to learn, trying to do something? Or? Oh. So what was the year now? Probably we're getting into like 2002, 2003. What was the appeal would have been about in terms? Mm, I think I might have, I think I might have started studying around then. Give or take a year or two. And how was how did that first come around and that? Were you um before you did that sentence there, do you ever been into your books or your reading and learning or reading? Like, yeah, like So you're always a reader, were you? Yeah. Um obviously I've done a few sentences so yeah, I was definitely I, was, I definitely like to read books, definitely. And what sort of books would you have you read in the past? I was into fast-paced books, and um, whether that be Chris Ryan, whether that be Jackie Collins, who's one of my favourite, um, Harold Robbins, another one of my favourites, Sidney Sheldon, um, definitely love that exotic, Jeffrey yeah. Archer, yeah. Um, another classic. Um, yeah, that kind of yeah, yeah. speedy um, Martina Cole. Of course, real good. So. Yeah, real storytellers. Mm. And so for you, how did it come about the learning that? Did you like sign up some courses in that? Was it like English course or trying to do some exams or anything like this when you were in there? Um, yeah, obviously along the way you do, you do tighten up your English and whatever, but yeah. I, I started to study. I did. I, did, I, think I started to study um, screenwriting. I think it was initially, then plays, and then just looking at the arts. I was preparing to get. Okay, so it's all sort of falling in place then, like from back then. And so, talk to me about the on the cat. Are you, uh, you so you get a move fairly frequently. Throughout all these periods, yeah, over the years, definitely you get you get moved regularly. So like every, you said you end up doing a year, but that's sort of the max you'd end up doing at one place. Would you say? Mm, yeah, for that year, 
Um, I was on F way. I think I have a COVID. I think I have a COVID nine. And I got sent to um Durham. What was the reason for carrying a knife? Obviously, back then you probably can't remember specifically, but in this case, even when things are cool, you still got to have something when you're in a place like that, is it? Yeah. Um, prison is a dangerous place, bro. So, certain times, you know, you got to make sure, yeah, you're on point. And what's the worst prison you end up going to on the circuits and that going around the K.A.s? What's the one you found the toughest or you end up finding yourself in the worst situation? Obviously you said Mark was there but when you've actually come across being on the wing with your enemies and... That's a tough one. I would say it would have been long Larton. I can't remember what we moved on, if it's B or C. Uh, long Larton. There's, a, there's, a, there's about four of my ops on there. A couple yardies that are backing these ops secretly. I'm on my ones. And this guy from Stonebridge called Maddox. He had my back here. But he was on smoke. Shout out Maddox. Big up Maddox. Yeah, from Stonebridge. Everyone said I don't like West London. Ooh, shut the fuck up. It's north, yeah. northwest anyway. Northwest. Get me? Is Maddox still all good now? You ever heard from Maddox? I've heard from Maddox for years, you get me? But well, hopefully Maddox is yeah, like well. Yeah, yeah, me and Shout out Coke as well. But yeah, you, you get me? Yeah, he was certain, you get um, You had your back to him them times, got you through it. Yeah, just know I've got proper twist. I've got, my, I've got my two shanks, he's got his things, but I know he's smoking. And the way I'm rolling right now is, yeah, right, I'm on the hot wing, uh, call, but air what? This shoot's smoky, I'm smoky, and you motherfuckers can't do nothing. You twitchy, yes, yeah, that's what it is. Right now, so yeah. Don't get him twisted, rather the peace. Yep. But, you know how it is with criminals, if you, they smell fair, they're gonna roll over you, do you get it? Of course. But, Maddox, yeah, definitely, um, if he wasn't there, it, it, it could have been sticky. So you must have ended up getting touched at certain point during your this latest bid, obviously you're in there for the best part of 20 years, two decades, you surely must have come unstuck at certain points, no? Yeah, 100%. 100%, I've come unstuck a few times. Um, but, not as bad as it could have been, do you get it? Listen, man get killed in those places. Easy. Do you get it? Better know that man get killed in those places. Light work. So, just to make it home, I done well. Do you get it? But, I think the first time I've got um, touched, I think I got cut for two or three occasions. I think it was um, Long Larton. Someone come from behind, cut in the face. 
Boss still come from behind, I was in the kitchen doing my thing. Come from behind and fucking bolted, but I caught him quick, yeah. And so what was this? Was this a paid hit where you didn't know it was? Because this had more time happens in it when these places was. Do you know what? Excuse me, do you know what? He was a sleeper, bro. I got, I got to call him a sleeper when I really check it. Because I, I didn't know at that time. Yeah? Mm -hmm. But I now know it was fucking Chaos's, um, it was Chaos's little soldier. Did you get it? And when there was a little passer about the informing thing, he talks, yeah, me saying he's a snitch and whatnot. Um, unknown to me, he's tight with this dude, isn't it? He's one of his, he's one of his hitters, and he's told him maybe two years previous, if you buck by man, you know what to do. Yeah, I kid you not. Right, it's peak views so in certain ways in the system things. Chaos had a lot of power, a lot of swing in it. He had a lot of people like this. He had a lot of swing. He had a lot of power, but it was political. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm Muslim too. So don't get it twisted. Like One of the, the biggest Muslims within the ice security state was a guy called Ali Ro. A real big man. When it comes to status. He made Chaos apologise to me. Because I apologise. That's how I've been... So don't get it twisted, the game's political. 100%. Let me show you how political this game is, this Muslim game. You need to understand how, how man, are you, man will use Islam or use the circumstances yeah, for their own game. And just leave you mind blown. Yeah, there's a guy here, bro, who this guy, let's call him Wayne, this white, this black um, black guy called Wayne. He cuts a man in his face. Yeah, he cuts Tommy in his face, right? Goes to another jail. A year later, Tommy and Wayne swap germs. So Wayne's now back in full son. But he's Muslim now. Yeah? He's now a Muslim. Yeah? Chaos playing by the rules. Welcome to him. Open arms. No way. Alhamdulillah, I love you for the sake of Allah. So what, even though he's cut Chaos's friend a year before, because my man's become a Muslim since, that's why. Chaos got to love him. Yeah? They cooked him a feast. Chicken, lamb, steak, everything. Yeah? At the feast, he offered Wayne, offered to wash uh, wash the plates. No, no, don't worry. Second day, again, another feast. He offered to wash the plates. No, 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 don't worry. Third day, he offered to wash the plates. He said, right, let's wash that one pot. It's after three feasts, he goes to wash the one pot. Little does he know, as he's washing the one pot, the man got some ghee. That was, that was the thing of choice if you want to fuck man up in dispersal. Stalk butter's boiling up. They've poured it on him. He's in shock, screaming like a pig. Everything's burning off of him. Walking around in circles, he's gone outside, he's asked the man for a shank. 
He's come back in, walked upstairs. He's asked another man for a shank. Man uh, to have gone in and shanked him up because he's looking for a shank to finish him off. He didn't die. So the man and them are like, but he's a Muslim. Ask chaos, he's a Muslim. How can you do that to another brother? Chaos said, I'll tell you why. Yesterday he only prayed, he only prayed four times. Remember when I called Seller app and he was on the computer, he didn't come. If you don't pray five times a day, you're outside the fold. That's how they justified it. Like that. That's how the game works in there. It's just all. So my point being is I'm Muslim too. I've got my bees. I'm brushing my teeth. Salam. Everyone's like, he's faking it. He's faking it. He's using it as a shield. Yeah. He's brushing my teeth. Salam, my brother. <laughs> yeah. Not mocking it, but everyone's doing the same thing. But guess what? When we was in there, they're saying, nah, I'm the only faker. Everyone else is righteous. The white Muslims are righteous. Black Muslims are righteous. Just me. You see now we're out here? Every man that I see, white, black, pink, blue, that was Muslim in there, is now saying, fuck that. Because they was all using it as a shield. Even some of them admitted that. Yeah? But no one couldn't say that in there. Because it's, it's, it's political. But I'm telling you, that's what happens. Enough man used that as a shield, as a game of chess, and I used it too. Every day this happens, I saw it with my own eyes and eyes in there. Come on, then. It goes on, doesn't it? Of course. And um, so talk to me about when you like really started taking your... Um, learning obviously seriously when you maybe started trying a little bit of writing in your own right what's how did this come around or did you start writing your own story was it to start with initially like you started doing an english course writing course obviously you just said the playwriting stuff start trying out a few things talk to me about that process um i think i i, I got electric typewriter is it yeah august cost me a one-off yeah fair play it. though yeah i've got ink and yeah, because I used to do a, I used to, um, do a lot of civil claims against the, 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 the government for lost property and any successful ones. Always successful. That's why I bought the thing. I just found that typing the letters was more professional. I'm dealing with the treasury solicitor. There was always negotiations. So when he gets my letter, Sick. he knows right now I'm on smoke. You know, like that. And that's why I bought the typewriter. And so, what would be and like a successful claim, like the end result then? Of, and so, talk to me about one. Give us one example of one of your claims. What would it be then? Um, so they lost a lot of clothes when you moved from jail to jail or something, or lost your property? Um, well, they do it all the time, bro. I think one of the most successful ones, I remember Belmarsh, they lost my prop cards, both of them. Stored prop and um, IP prop, did you get it? They had to compensate me. Um, one of the most bizarre ones. But how much did you get on that occasion, sorry to interject? About nine bags off that nine one. Nine bags, fucking hell. Sort of one of the most bizarre cases that I had was a, I had a load of stuff sent into full sun. And because uh, you could have closed sent in at that point. But only once. 
So everything's in there, dressing gown, and it's all designer, you know how it goes in them places there. Yeah. Anyway, my Gucci belt was stolen, wasn't there. Okay, so I'm, okay, I'm going nuts, I know it was there, yeah? And it took two years and an officer to get sacked for stealing other people's property and be sentenced to jail. I kid you not. Fuck. Yeah, for the treasure solicitor then to pay me out for my belt, which was, it was £180. Fucking hell. It's a fair play to you, obviously, to get those uh, claims you've seen. Yeah, but anyway, it's, the, it's from then when I've got the typewriter, I'm now in a position where in my own time I can try and write my own story, which is that's why I initially I began writing. Um, obviously, I've got books out on how to write autobios, I read other people's autobios, and just managed to find my own voice. I think every writer's got their own voice. 100%. Yeah, so... Yeah. It's about finding your own natural voice, I think, but that only comes with a lot of writing, doesn't it, that you can end up writing in your own tongue, maybe? Yeah, because you, you, you've got to find yourself as a writer. Everyone's got their own unique MO, do you get it? Um, and then that's how I was able to find mine, then I started to write my auto well, and my thing is fast-paced. Do you get it? That's, yeah. And you'll see I'm influenced by Jackie Collins, by Alan Robbins, by Sidney Sheldon in terms yeah. of going from one character to another character. Do you get it? Yeah, no, of course. And um, so you've ended up obviously carrying on around. You're in there for such a long time, it's, it's easy to sort of pass by years, isn't it? Um, and so talk to me about the process. Like how long were you on the Cat A circuit before you got downgraded or? You can get recategorised to be in your So you must have ended up getting, you said uh, it was about nine years before you got to the Cat B off the Cat A circuit. Um, was that a big shock or something like this when you go from the A's to the B's and that? And you said obviously there's a level of respect in the A's. Is there more drama in the B's? Um, not really. Depends on the jail in it, but um, nah. B cat, you're just happy to be downgraded from A cat to B cat. You know, like that. Um, because it's a big thing. I think for me, the most. I think what I remember most about that transition from A cat to B cat was as an A cat, they would check your cell every hour. The observation flat it, bust it, check that you're in there, keep it moving. They do that all the cat A's every hour. However, once you get downgraded to B cat, that no longer happens. As well as if you're A cat, someone can't just come and visit you. You gotta send the paperwork out, they gotta send it back, then it goes to the police, then it comes back to the prison, then it goes to the home office, then they clear it, you get it? Mm. Whereas a B cat, they just send you a VO and you can just attend the relevant prison and visit so um that's the only really difference but what about um is there like more foolish characters obviously like say there's less serious criminal and more disrespectful yeah, can, foolish yeah. idiot sort of character yeah you can, you, can, you can get all that as well as people on i find that you find more people on drugs in the b cat than the a cats so is there more opportunities for, to make money 
in the BCATs then um, for people who might be in that sort of trying to hustle in the, within the system? Wherever you are, it doesn't matter what prison you are, if you want to make money. So there's still people hustling in the ACATs, obviously. Yeah, everybody's got to hustle in somewhat one way or another. Um, but yeah, that's pretty standard. Mm. And um, was there an instant where you ended up having, I don't, don't know if we can cut this out if you don't want to talk about it, um, did you end up having an affair with a screw at a certain point? Um, yeah, yeah. On a couple of occasions. On a, what, a couple of different occasions, yeah. Yeah. And talk to me about how that happened and then and... Um, like I said recently, obviously, I explained on the Sean Atwood, um, one I met in Whitemore. Um, she was a nurse. Um, She was trafficking tobacco in for someone else. Cut the story short. Um, unfortunately, his cell went up in flames. He's moved off the wing. I moved into his cell, got his job. And me and the chick, we connected. Um, and yeah, it, 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 yeah it's, it's just fun, fun and games from there, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, just to protect myself, I used to record when she was in the cell, an electric um, double tape recorder um, that I used to borrow off of. Who used to borrow off? I used to borrow off Emmanuel, Emmanuel de Silva. Yeah, yeah, shout out Emmanuel. Big up Emmanuel de Silva. I used to borrow off him to record stuff. Um, that just reminds me, I remember one time I was in the cell getting up to whatever, I came out and I put my finger under it. man, childish, I know, but it's prison where life has come and give us a break. I put my finger under his nose. He wasn't too impressed. But yeah, um, obviously it came on top. Yeah. Um, what were the consequences for her? Did she end up getting in big trouble or just losing the job? She didn't end up going. Do you know what? I don't even know what happened to her. I, I know that they did they tried to discipline her, but my understanding was that, that they couldn't sack her without a statement from me, because I got shipped out to HMP Strangeways, and um, that was after a few months. Then two governors came to see me, and they asked me to be a witness. They accepted that what I was saying, I, because they was trying to say that I was blackmailing her to traffic phones and stuff. But they, they accepted what I said. Yes. Basically, we was we was um, up to no good. Yeah, straight. And um, so going on to a completely different topic, obviously, in 2011, your play ended up getting done in the theatre. But going back to, obviously, why the play got written, and obviously you mentioned previously that you started doing writing, obviously, the play, um, the theatre production, Every Coin... Um, when was it you, you wrote it? Was that like in 2010, obviously a couple of years prior to that? Or what was, and why did you write it? Was um, I wrote Every Coin, I can't remember exactly when, but it, it, the full production was 2.11. So maybe from 2.9, 2.10. Yeah, yeah. Um, 2.8 or whatever. 
I began working on it. The way it came about is I, I was writing an autobio, an electric typewriter, um, which I used for my OU modules. Yep. So, uh, at the time I was studying for um, a BA honours in English literature, the arts past and present. So I had an electric typewriter anyway. So yeah, you can get bored in a cell. So I began um, typing my autobio. I went to the library, um, got out certain books on um, script writing, book writing and stuff. Yeah, and just, just basically just played around and found my voice. Because um, obviously you have to find your voice. And I had, so I had an auto bio that was ready. And I wrote to um, Synergy Theatre Project asking them if they could help in any way in terms of helping me get my book out of there. And the artistic director at the time was a old lady called Esther Baker. She wrote back and she was like, that in my field, I'm into theatre. However, um, read this. Um, she sent me a, she sent me a, um, a script called Alima's is it Alima's Kitchen? I think it might be Alima's Kitchen, um, which was basically set in Murder Mile in Hackney, written by a guy called Kwame. Um, I read it. It, it was actually an, an award-winning script, but I thought it was weak, and I told her so. And she was like, "Do better than." And that was the birth of that was the birth of every kind. Um, again, writing it, I wrote about four or five initial drafts. It was an exciting time because at the time I was also um I also fell into a relationship with the artistic director. Do you get it? Um crazy. Yeah, so it was it was bananas because she was obviously coming to visit me and um And so were you involved with the theatre production and that were you actually have some sort of role in the sort of sculpting or some sort of choice of the cast in it? Did you, were you involved in it at all? Yeah, do you know what? They had to send me, um, they, basically they, they sent me the actors' bios, um, including Headshot, um, from, I can't remember, Spotlight. So basically I would get their history and stuff and I'd have to look at the characters to see if I felt they fit, fit the, I mean look at the actors to see if they fit yeah. the character. But I had final say, do you get it? Um, we agreed on most, um, we agreed on most. I think where we didn't agree actually, were, oh, we had a little issue with Daniel Vitas. She um brilliant actress. It was between her and another girl, I can't remember her name, I think it was it was Savannah actually. And I, I went with Daniel Vitas. Did you get it? Um and you can see she's doing mad stuff at the moment. Um Petra Lee Chang, I wanted her because I remember her from EastEnders playing Naomi. Whereas the director, they didn't want her. They wanted yeah, so you were actively involved, so that must be the yeah. right buzz in that. And then obviously end up getting 
it came out at Soho Theatre, was it? Yeah, yes. Obviously, after all the actors were was cho- were chosen, um, then the auditions. Then yeah, it was. It had a week run initially at just the Soho Theatre, and obviously, it ended up doing unbelievably well. It was a sellout, and yeah, really highly acclaimed. Yeah, great. Yeah, great write ups. Um, yeah, for sure. I was uh, even today doing a bit of reading the Guardian article, real good article about it, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so that must have been unbelievably unbelievable for you at them times there where you were. Obviously, you must have been really proud of yourself. Um, obviously, in your past career and stuff like this, there wasn't sort of probably a feeling other than sort of children stuff like this that you would have probably got. So it must have been quite overwhelming feeling, you know, in jail having achieved something so much. Yeah, for sure. It, it, like, it, was, it was a long process, a lot of hard work. It was, yeah, ridiculous. Left me emotionally and mentally drained to write that script. Because by the end, I'm sure I'd done maybe seven, if not eight, eight drafts. Um, but yeah, you know, once it opened and the tickets sold out before the first night, and then the reviews were like, yeah, obviously a proud moment, but um, didn't basically that too long. I was more focused on trying to um, write some more scripts. So when I was released, I would have. Next thing is in learn pipeline. That obviously gave you the, obviously in order to do that, you must have had the love for writing. But now obviously you knew you could be successful. Was that like a life-changing turning point moment as well? <coughs> Until yeah. you have some success, you don't know surely how your stuff's going to be um, taken in. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, you can write something and believe in it or whatever. Um, I didn't really expect that, but I knew the script was good because I, I, you know, the amount of work that I put into it. So um, yeah, def- definitely. Um, it made me aware that. I could write to a certain level and get paid. And where I fell in love with the the arts, the, the, the art of creating story and character and blow, watching acts blow, blow life into these characters. Um, yeah, I'd definitely say it was life-changing. Yeah, big things. And um, off the back of that, did there lots of people, obviously, I'm sure, got in touch with you, obviously it was probably hard for them, obviously when you're in jail still, but did you have people who wrote to you or did any opportunities come for it or did you like get A few opportunities came in and straight away um, the lead actor was a guy called Clifford Samuels. Um, I didn't know this, it, it, the agent actually told me this, but he advised um, his agent, which was a guy called Philippe Carden, to sign me. So Philippe, I think, well, Philippe watched the play and then he wrote to me um, saying he wanted to sign me, blah, blah, blah. And I did sign with him. Um, Claire, a lady called Claire Slater from Rear Day, she wrote to me. Um, and she was like, yeah, thank you for introducing me to this, a world that I would have never known about. And, um, she where they was like a headhunting company for Channel Four, so she asked for my permission to um, 
pitch my work to Channel 4. So yeah, all sorts happens. Big things. And so then what was the next next step then? What were you working on next then after obviously, I'm sure you had a little bit of time to recover after the theatre thing and sort of chill out for a second. And then what did you work, what was your next project then after? Um, I was just writing scripts, whether they were play scripts, majority were film scripts. And obviously I was forever tightening up the autobiography, mm. which um, you guys are now getting as audio books. Um, but that was the bio, and that's why it's so tight to get I work so long on it to make sure, you know. Um, of course, it had that X factor. And so, what you said, you've written a load more theatre scripts, and you've written a yeah, load of I was, just like, I was just writing a load of uh, after every well. coin, I was writing a load of scripts, film scripts. Um, but I, I made a decision in my, my head that I didn't want to have any more theatre productions or you know, I know what's going on soon by now to get it um, in a few years. Um, I didn't want to put on another theatre show and I wasn't there because even though they, they've recorded it for me and I got to watch it on DVD. That was what actually was next question I was going to ask you. Stan, yeah. been, when yeah. did you get to watch that at the time while you were in jail? They managed to send the DVD into you or did you have to wait years to watch it? No, they sent it in. They were allowed yeah. to send it in. And so that must have been a right buzz watching that, like I say. Yeah. Were you happy <coughs> you were happy about how it came out and that it was what you envisaged? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Um, think you would have rather been there to obviously have a hand. Yeah, on. at least one of the days I, I would have liked to um been there, but you know, we move. Not possible at them times. It wasn't possible. And so Obviously, if you'd been outside, your life, I'm sure, would have literally taken a whole different space at that time fully. But obviously, you're still in jail, having to deal with everyday drama of jail and all that sort of stuff. So, I'm sure, you're still having your scrapes and scraps in jail, no? During them times, the cafes, weaving around yeah. the system. Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. And um, obviously, you end up working your way through those times over five, six years, getting to the season, then by. 2016, you end up getting to DCAT. Okay. Yeah, was it 2016? I think you said you said to me. First time, yeah, I think about 2016, the first time. First time, right? You end up getting chucked back afterwards. So you yeah. end up getting DCAT initially, then in 2016. Which DCAT was this? I went to North Sea Camp from Stockholm. Okay. No, from Lincoln, sorry. And um, obviously, that must have been a whole different sort of even a bigger step from the A to B as such, going from the C's to the D's, because there's no fences, it's freedom, isn't it? You can leave at any point, it's literally... Yeah, 100%. Literally, responsibility. There literally was no fence. It had just a barrier, the size of my hand, like a car park. That was it, there was no fence. Um, but yeah, you know, you just go with it, man. You know, you know D-Cat, you've worked hard to get there, so... Um, you're mentally ready, you got your plan, what you're going to do, you know what not to do. Um, did you start having day releases and get on to weekend releases potentially? Or I did, jobs I, I, I was there for nine months and I had day releases. I was supposed to be getting, I was supposed to get my own leave soon and then 
the place was just a bit reckless at the time. But what's basically happened is the outside security team has come. They've come for fucking to search whoever. And I'm one of the targets. So I was in the gym and someone's going to tell me, yo, DST, outside DST on the national search team. Um, they're here, they're looking for you. I'm like, right, cool. So I went to them. Do you get it? I went to them, they took me to reception, maybe sit on the chair, they're saying the chair's going off. Yeah, the pole's going off, everything's going off, yeah? Anyway, they made a decision, they're shipping me out, they're saying I've got a phone, I'm saying I've got a phone. They ship me to Lincoln. I get to Lincoln, I sit on a chair, the chair don't go off. Go past the pole, the pole don't go off. Yeah? So now when I get up on the wing, I'm telling my, not that day, the following day, I'm telling my lawyer, like, yo, it's a setup thing, isn't it? There was no phone. So, cut the story short, after being there for six months, I got sent back to a DCAP and I went to HMP Ford. Mm. So, it would have been, it would have actually been, DCAP would have been, you're 17, I think 17. Yeah, and how was Ford then? Obviously, down by the sea, nice part of the world. Yeah, but you know what? HMP Ford was alright. Um, got billets. Um, I think 12, 14 guys on each billet. It's like an army base, isn't it? Um, but do you know what? And that was the hottest summer. That was the hottest. It was very hot that summer. Sure. Um, nice yeah. to be in decap rather than locked up where you could be outside and do yeah, whatever you do. Yeah, come on, man. You're, you're out. You're going home. I'm going on home leaves as well. Um, I had three home leaves. And then I was kicked out after, again, nine months. Why? Someone, I didn't know at the time, but I know now that someone kept, yeah, just basically someone was giving information that I had a telephone and I had a mobile without going into too deep, do you get it? Mm -hmm. And I didn't, they didn't find one either. I still got shipped out for allegedly maybe having a mobile phone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so what happened? You eventually end up getting released from the B or C cap, was it B C cap? Yeah, I got shipped. I got kicked out of there. I went to HMP um, Lewis. Yeah. And then that was like November the first, two thousand eighteen. I remember the day. Big day for you. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't go home until October the fourth, two thousand nineteen. So I got another eleven months in close conditions. Yeah. And um, so how long at that point there, by the time you got on there in October, how long had you served? Um, 17 years, 11 months. 17 so years. Call it 18 years, really. Fucking hell. Mm. Crazy. And um, so talk to me about, obviously, getting out, how hard the adjustment was straight away. Obviously, it must have been, I know people have done half that time who found it real hard coming out. Um, must be an adjustment process, no? Yeah, for sure, but that's what DCAT's for, isn't it? Especially I'm um, in HMP North Sea Camp. That's what you get those day releases for, and it's to go out and readjust to um, being in the community or going to the shops or ordering things yourself to get it. So when you eventually do get out, it's not a, do you get what I mean? It's not a shock to you. They've even got houses, um, apartments in North Sea Camp where you no longer eat in the prison. You gotta buy your own shopping, 
cook. You get again preparation for. Um, so yeah, definitely a lot of adjustments. Um, getting used to normal things like, you know, going to the local store and self-serving. Of course. To get, to get like what the fuck, but um, yeah, but that the decats help you. Yeah. Because you're going out so often that those little stumbles or um, insecurities that you may have, they're ironed out by the time you get up. Yeah, and um, you know when you landed, did you try and were you back into London straight away? No, no. I, was in, I was in um Brighton. Brighton, so that's probably better for you. And then in terms of touching base back with all your friends and stuff like this, or former gang members, or sort of people with criminal ties, stuff like this, were you quite cautious about who you're around straight away and all this sort of stuff? Yeah, I was then, I still am, I don't have it with criminals, um, or for my friends from my old lifestyle, um, that's not where I'm at, so it, it's pointless. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's point it's, it's pointless being around people who are active or in one way or another, whether it's active with guns on the streets or with drugs or fraud or whatever. If you're not if, if you're not on that, um, it doesn't make any sense. Do you know what I watched? A, I watched a podcast today. Tricky doing the R.I.P. tribute to. Um, iPod, and he touched on the same issue in terms of he doesn't like to be around people who have that energy because he's not on that, so it puts him at a, it puts him at a disadvantage. So he avoids, and I, I I'm like that. I've been like that for a while. So yeah, in terms of if you're on the roads, you're on the roads. I'm not on the roads. So there's no need for me to be around you or for you to be following me. Don't get me wrong, people do contact me on social media um, about the stories or, or, or whatever and I will engage, but away from social media, nah. So what about when you landed to people like Fox and that? Were you keeping up with him and that? Were you touch base with, obviously, your Fox? 100%, but I think before... Do you know what? I didn't speak to Fox about three, four years. Whatever until two, two eighteen. It's two eighteen when I was in Ford. Yeah, two eighteen. Um, I got his number by Toby Johnson. We got it off of Shane, I believe. And that was just before he got nicked. Then he got nicked. But I was speaking to him before he come out. Do you get it? And the reason why. It, I was engaging with him was because he is, as I've said on my, my platform, when he came, before he came out, his whole thing was Dutch, that's it. I'm going to put everything into this project and I'm going to make it happen. He wasn't talking, no, oh, I'm going to sell drugs or I'm going to, he wasn't talking none of that stuff, do you hear? So I could fuck with him because his mindset was, but. It wasn't really about linking him. Because again, I've just done too long to uh, be linking someone who's 
maybe gonna change or maybe gonna make the right decisions. I didn't know that at the time. Did you get it? So it was more on the phone. And um, talking about, about your situation, uh, um, you know, um, having come out after 20 years close to you behind the door, do you still feel like at that time, obviously a couple of years ago, maybe still to this day, do you still have to be cautious about where you go or keep your head down slightly to a degree or be aware to a degree from enemies from your past? Obviously, I'm yeah. sure in the past you must have done, but you obviously did do bad things to people. You did not. No fears about this past stuff or anything coming back? Nah, um, nah, all my, it's all good. Yeah, I'm sure, obviously, if you've been caught through nearly 20 years in the system and that, I'm sure you've come across most of your enemies or what anyone during them times there where you can't get where you're all locked under one roof, so being out in the big open world, there's no fear of that, obviously. I didn't really have that many enemies, I don't think, um, mm. personally. Um, don't get me wrong, you get people who claim to be enemies. I, I, I know people who have made themselves a victim um, of mine when I've never even seen them on the road just to be a part of the picture. Do you get it? But, um, yeah, I, I, it's only one firm I, I, I was really going head to head with. Mm. Um, and talk to me about um, your two books then. And so when the first book came out and thinking behind that, um, how happy you were with the response that came out. Talk to me about the whole thing when the first book came out. Obviously a product of my environment, book number one, which I heavily recommend people is uh, Great books and very, very gripping. It's sort of stuff you can't stop listening to. And uh, yeah, I give you a props for that. Congratulations. So talk to me about Product Environment, but then one. Yeah, um, when I came out to 19, I decided, you know what? I had it there already, it's the autobiography. So I just took a section off and recorded um, a product of my environment book one, um, Real Life TV, they posted it, and he had, he had an audience, and they liked it, um, and yeah, done well, it sold a, sold a lot of units, and people liked it, yeah, definitely. It should have done a lot more, I think there's a lot of people out there who obviously didn't know about it, and hopefully it should still sell a lot more as time goes on. Um, and so obviously you were happy with the response from the book and yeah yeah 100% yeah and how did you um, did you sort of self-publish it yeah book one yeah, we, we self-published it um, excuse me book two and is sorry to, sorry to is there a hardback to book one no why not and is there gonna be ever not to book one, but to the old, my old autobiography, they will be, yeah. Okay, so that's sort of like a preview. There is going to be a main hardback yeah, book, yeah. the full, bigger one then. The full one. And then um, let's move on to, obviously, book number two then. And so when did that end up um, dropping? Obviously, this one caused a uh, lot more noise in certain ways, didn't it? So. Yeah, book two I done when I was on recall. 
And what did you get a recall to? I'm not going to that. But um, all I would say is that um, my probation officer who recalled me at the time um, no longer works in that position. Okay. I had to leave her job. And so what um, what date was it that the... And the reason why I'm going to that is because there's a civil case pending um, for unlawful recall and breach of Article 5. So it's, yeah. Say no more, we don't want to mess up the case and when the time's right and obviously all that's being through the system, yeah. we can shed light on it and hopefully sit down again and you can shed light on the injustices mm -hmm. within the system. And so when did book number two come out? What date was it then? Roughly. Bro, I can't tell you what month, bro. So this is in 2020 though, yeah? 2020, yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, it was 2020. And obviously... Yeah, um, late, late 2020, yeah. Yeah, obviously, um, in June of 2020, Fox ended up getting killed. Mm. And so talk to me about how that affected you, obviously, you and Fox being real close at some point. This was a big blow to you. Was this someone you were planning to have in your life when you got out? Obviously, you said you were chatting to him and he was trying to do music thing, and obviously, there was a bond there, no? Yeah, 100%, bro, but it was like, <coughs> yeah, obviously I heard it, when I heard I remember the, my window was open and I was on my bed writing, I was in high down, and I heard something about a knife, no, sorry, a gun, and I heard him say Dutch, and I heard him say party, but that was it, I didn't hear anything about anyone got shot or... I'm hearing the, the last of the conversation to get. I wasn't paying it any mind. So I didn't pay no more attention. And the following morning, again, I was writing on my bed. It was early, maybe half eight or nine. And that's when they said that a 50 year old man had been shot. And I knew he had just turned 50 to get Because um, he just missed his birthday. Before he came out, I think he came out. When did he come out? He might come out late October. Or early November 2019, but he just missed his birthday. Do you get it? So I remembered that. But yeah, it was one like it was one of those ones like he was around people he wasn't supposed to be around, so it wasn't surprising. But it was definitely um, usually frustrating. So what do you think he got sort of set up by people around him? Obviously he had people around him that didn't have his best interests at heart, so. I don't know about getting set up, but I know. I tell you, you know what, with this I tend not to go too, too deep. Do you get it? Obviously I give a couple little, like the audio book for free, I go in, do you get it? I might wake up that day and say, fuck it, man. But it's one of them ones there where, look, Everyone knows who slapped my man in it. Like, yeah, five over there looking for my man in it. They put him on crime watch in it. Did you get it? But it's a funny one because for me, I know obviously, I know Donny, and I know Donny's a little snitch, you get me? So I know my niggas up there, like, pissed, like, like an itch licked him down, you know, like that. Um, and then you got to remember, for me, when I'm sitting there, I've been watching this team for a second. And there's always someone in that team itching. If it's not C1, it's ends. 
if it's not ends, it's someone else, it's Mark. If it's not, it's just acceptable energy. It's got to accept that. That's the snitch gang. Do you get it? So it's like, it's not even worth addressing, bro. It's pointless. Mm. It's RIP Fox, you get it? Yeah, but you kind of obviously, like you say, you did kind of address certain points of it in your book. Mm. And so talk to me about when the book came out. Obviously, that must have made a lot of noise. Um, but it did make a lot of noise. And again, unbelievable book. I've listened to it for a few times. I can't lie. And I highly recommend that to anyone. Obviously, all the links are going to be in the description box below. Yeah. And so talk to me about that book then. Book two was a madness because I'm in HMP Hider. Yeah. Fox has just dropped. Uh, I want to put a little tribute out to him. Obviously, I can't record. So what I had to do is I put an ad out for actor on starnow.com. Um, and I don't know, maybe 300 actors came back, yeah? It was a lot. And then I gave them the task, like basically my PA, Natasha, at the time, she um, got, she downloaded this app where you could record the phone call. So basically she's recording a call where I read, just say a chapter in the style that I want it. And I give it to all 300 actors. I say, look, whoever gets it the closest, if you, you get the closest to this, that's what I'm going with, you get it? And it so happens that the first person to come back was the most decorated actor and the best, and that was Dean Kirby, who ended up narrating it. So it was a case of, I read, I read the old book, once I picked the actor, I read the old book over the phone. She recorded it. Then she'd send it to the transcriber. It would listen to what I've said and then write the script. It'd go back to the PA who would read it to me. Once I was sure that it was, yeah, what it was, it, it was what it's supposed to be. Then we'd send it a few chapters at a time to the actor who would record it, send it back to the PA who would play it for me. I would listen to it, make sure it's 30, then it goes to the sound engineer who does the sound effects. And that's how we made book two and published it right when I was in that prison cell. It's well made, I really like it. Like I said, it's so gripping in terms of the words and obviously the speech you use and the sound for everything. But um, were you happy with how, with Matey on it, his voice? and I was happy with his voice, I was happy with his style. Um, over happy. I think he's a talented um, actor. Um, obviously, he struggled with the, to use patois or, 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 or certain. Was he white? He was a white fellow, yeah. Yeah. To use certain slang. He did sound white. Yeah, he sounded like a Cockney fella. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think he done a good job. He did do a good job. It didn't affect how I enjoyed it. Obviously, just I, I thought he did sound like he was white still, but it didn't affect how I enjoyed it. Obviously, it would have been better with you, but obviously, circumstances were what they were. And didn't you mention to me the other day that you might be re-releasing it? You going with your own voice? Yeah, I'm gonna re-record it um, and re-release it for free of charge. Yeah, that'd be unbelievable as well. So I look forward to seeing that come yeah. out. And so, talk to me about. Um, the response then from the second book then um, there must be obviously lots of positive it's making lots of noise getting lots of views and obviously there must have been a few upset people at the same time obviously there were some revelations and obviously 
um, good and bad for different people um, in the book. Um, talk to me about the whole Dutch village situation within the book and how you end up. Was were you speaking to Fox the whole time? Like while you were in jail, while he came out, you in constant contact with him, so you knew what was going on within their circle and within the situations. Um, in terms of the reaction to the book, I think first person to react to it is the book and the, the documentary promo was Del P. He was the first one to react. Um, and obviously he went nuts because I pointed out in a documentary promo that he pointed out his Cody on the end charge. But what's basically happened, bro, is I've dropped that and I asked Big Ego to post it and they posted it, yeah? Now, what a lot of people don't understand is I don't run my social media. What's the thing about my social media? The amount of messages I get on a daily basis and people think they're talking to me. Um, the people running my social media, whether it's my cousin might run it some days or the PA might run it or the social media manager might run it, the guy who does all the posting. And they, have, they play games with these people. But they think they're speaking to me. Anyway, I'm inside. I ain't got no phone. My PA's got my phone. Yeah? So, I might not... I might not but a lot of messages I won't get in real time. I might phone every hour. But there'll be times I'm on the phone for three hours before you get it. And what's happened is Del P has asked Big Eagle to post his response to me. Which is a very disrespectful, um, fabricated, manufactured, spiteful um, response. Big Ego sent it to me, yeah? He sent it to my WhatsApp, saying, Dill P's asked me to post this, question mark. Obviously my PA, I don't know if she was out or whatever, or I was sleeping, whatever, but we didn't speak till the morning. Biden has posted it. Yeah, it's, I've gone off my fucking, I've gone off my nuts, like we didn't, do you get it? See, he ended up pulling both, yeah? But I was kind of pissed, and I was, you know, I was kind of pissed because it was like, one, I found out they kind of knew each other. Do you get it? Two, what he's talking is a load of nonsense. I, what did he say? Um, P go threw a brick in my face. No, he didn't. Nobody threw a brick in my face. You made it all up. Anyone throw a brick in my face, it won't be a secret that only you know. It'd be something we all know. Yeah. I'm very public like that in terms of, do you know like that? If someone, mm. that's, you know, you're, you're getting ratings for that, you're talking nonsense. Then the next thing he was like, um, him and Sparks was running GB in 1993. No, you wasn't. He was like 13. What are you talking about? I'm like 20. You, you crazy? Then there was another thing, he ran me down with a knife and I was running, no you never. Obviously another false to False statement bro, do you know what you think? We was in um, Belmarsh, not Belmarsh, yeah we were in Belmarsh, we were in the, we were in the yard. I remember being with my cold E. And my man's come on the yard and he saw me, he's got boomies, took his jacket off and wrapped it round his hand to get it. Like he's going to be in a sword fight, to get it. 
And the yeah, man was just mocking him, innit? Like, yo, boss, yo, come it. He's a baby, innit? He's that kind of vibe, innit? Yeah. And, 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 and it, it, it didn't go more than that. It took two laps, and then my Cody was in my ears. Nolan was in my ears. Nolan was on some stuff like, um, he wants to talk about the case, because we was on separate Spurs. Yeah? And I said, listen, that dickhead, yeah, yeah, pattern up in it. And he went and told my man to keep it moving. And my man moved off the wing and went to another wing. Right. That's it. And then I didn't see him again or hear from him again until that's 2002, yeah, 21. I didn't hear from Dopey again until 2000. And, um, when did I come out? Like 2019. After my book came out, he contacted me again via this chick. Um, and basically, you know, he, he was like, yeah. No, what am I talking about? I didn't hear from him again until 2012 after the play came out. And he wrote to me and he was like, I'm so proud of you, you're one of us. Read about your play, blah, blah, blah. Then he was like, I don't really like you very much, but could you help me get my book published? And I remember writing him back, and I was like, yo, big man, you need to go learn some people skills, and just kept it moving. And I didn't hear from him again until 2019 when the book came out. Same thing, he popped up in my DMs via this chick who's running his, 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 um, his platform, and he wants a cut of the pie, and what's going on? I'm like, what's wrong with this madman? What pie are you talking about, bro? Yeah, we could all eat and all and yeah, just talking a lot of nonsense. Um, I just tried to do one and it and they was like made little threats that they would, you know, tarnish my name and whoa, 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 yeah, whatever, keep moving. And I didn't hear from him again until after the next book come out. When I put out book two, he popped up again. Motherfucker was stalking me to get it. But I'll say this in it. Dope is one of them and them. Do you get it? Um, definitely one of them and them. Um, and it's only since he's death I kind of reflected on why he felt, how he felt, and where that hatred come from. And I can see where it came from. Because first and foremost, when we come from jail, 92, January 93, and reformed up this GB team, he got pushed to the curb. Because remember, all those youngers, whether it was Tariq, GB, um, Shifty, Dopey, Sparks, they're together on a daily. When we come on the road, I've promoted Sparks. Sparks is now with me on a daily. So we might see some of the other youngers on, but on a daily. Do you get it? So their team ain't what it is no more in terms of their day-to-day -day team. Yeah, Tariq ended up going to Lee Iroad, partying with the Lee Iroad man then. Shifty was about whatever, being in and out of jail, whatever. And Del P ended up in Woolwich. Did you get it? But it was like that for a reason, because they didn't make the cut. They didn't make the grade. Did you get it? Because everyone's talking about this GB thing, so I'm just going to lay it down straight. Those guys, why they're good guys, as far as in that, 
gang world, that gangster world, they didn't make the cut. Do you get it? They wasn't, they wasn't cut from the right cloth. Where Sparks was cut from the right cloth. Do you get it? But I get to understand that there were people that have some resentment for that. Plus, on top of that, I did violate his dad back in the day. Everybody knows that. He might have been pissed about that as well. And there was one or two other little incidents, yeah. But I don't hold that against him. Um, it is what it is. Um, he's a GB soldier still, do you get it? Um, but don't ever get it twisted and feel like he's ever like even raising his voice in anger in my presence. It, back then, it definitely didn't happen. And yeah, he's not that stupid. He wasn't that stupid back then. But at the same time, let the man rest in peace. Yeah, rest in peace to Delphi, sure. Yeah, rest in peace. And um, what about other uh, people who got in touch after the second book then? What about the whole Dutch thing? And obviously, there's a lot of allegations in the book. Um, and did uh, Dutchies can get in touch with you, try and get a book taken down or anything like this? Was there any pressure put on you? No, it's wrote on my, it's wrote on my page. Do you know what happened, yeah? Is, so you had the big ego situation, yeah? Um, so he took it down. Then you had made you think, Alan, yeah? And this is why I don't fuck with them to this day. Do you get it? Um, Alan posts up the documentary promo, the one minute one, with the X on Dutch's face. A man got onto him and he took it down after, I don't know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever. When I heard, I've got it in by email, I'm like, yo, big man, what's all, what the fuck you doing, did you get it? And he's come back to me saying, boy, a bit man's, man's getting onto him. Did you get it? It's more asshole than it's worse. It's worth. So I'm saying to this Alan guy, this made you think guy, the guy who runs the show, fuck them niggas, innit? And you got a sister, and you got a mum, and you got and you got a daughter, and you got aunties. Huh? And he was like, I got this in writing. If man wants to deny it, I will just post it in it. In an email. Did you get it? He come back and he's, he's just saying, boy, it's too much trouble and woo, woo, woo. I'll post your audio book. Yeah? I'll post your audio book, but I'm not going to post a documentary promo. And I tried to go fuck himself. I said, bro, if you're going to defend that dirty little nonce, that's what I said to him. And if you're going to eye for him and cover for him, and you're going to stop me basically um, speaking my truth, and putting my niggas truth out there. I don't want to fuck with you. I don't care how, how big your platform is. So you won't be posting my audio book. Mm. And, that, and um, I've told him that in writing. In a response to his email. And so, had Fox told you about the whole situation with the... Yeah, big up tiny in his book. Not so the whole situation, but bits and pieces. I don't want to go into too much and incriminate myself still. To get it, you know, when you're in Bing, you're not supposed to have certain things, you get it? Yeah. But, um, yeah, I knew... You've been told one, two things. One or two things, some dodgy behaviour, and, you know, obviously the incident that I referred to, that I don't need to go into again, in all your book too. But, um, obviously, so people getting at people who are trying to help you, platforms get 
But did anyone ever get in touch you directly and try and pressure your, you and try and tell you that this book needs to be taken down or anything like right. this? And nothing like that. What that that particular yeah. What you said from that that old Dutch thing. Yeah. Yeah. No. And um, obviously the the response that you got in general and stuff, the amount of uh, listeners and the amount of hits, and do you be happy with it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know what it done well? It was it was selling a lot of books. Like it was pandemic books for. Moving like hotcakes, bro. I bought it, so shout out, and it was more than happy with it. Yeah, it was... everyone, this book was moving. And I remember, um, it's the same kind of drama with these vlogs. Um, London Street Legends. Is it London Street Legends? Yeah. They had it up, yeah? After big drama, they had it up. But then they posted the OP's thing. So now I'm getting all the feedback in it. Yeah, they posted the LP thing. Boom, you've got like, I don't know what it was, 15,000 views. The LP's got eight. It was like some W. Yeah. And that's what pissed me off with that big ego guy. He goes, This is like WWF. So he knew what he was doing. That's the only other story. Get back to this, get back to this, um, London Street, London Street Legends. Oh. I'm there fuming, pacing myself. I said, nah, nah, they're going to take this down. Fuck that. But we're having a meeting. The team's like, yo, if they take it down, you're going to lose selves. This is what's making it jump off. You're getting mad selves. And I was like, fuck the money. Take it down. Did you get it? They didn't want to take it down. Yeah? Should have left it up still. In hindsight, like, we wind the clock. I just left it, yeah. yeah you were locked in a box, stewing though, without fucking clarity. Huh? You were locked in the cell without the clarity to think properly. Yeah, I made a bad decision because it was, well, it was, trust me, a lot of books were like this, like ping, 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 books are moving off, yeah. So I tried to take it down, they didn't want to take it down, so I had to threaten them with legal advice. Mm. And then there was some other little past, and they took it down in the end, yeah. And then Lucian Legends, I told him to take it down as well. And the reason why I told Lucian Legends to take it down was because previous... Let me just give you a quick story so you need to understand what was going on with these vlogs. Yeah? When Lucian Legends had no followers and they weren't following no one, they came to me because my book had just been published 219. And they said, can we, can we like put your book out there on our page and... But their profile picture was a picture of Sparks. Did you get it? So I said, take it down. You got, you, why are you using Sparks' picture? Yeah, so understand this, and This is someone who's trying to um, basically piggyback off the back of my book that's just been published and the old GB thing. Do, 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 do you get it? That's why you put Sparks' picture there. That's why you come yeah. to me. Do you get it? And... They came back to me about 20 minutes later and they might have had two or four followers and they had a picture of Trevor up and I said I said to Arnushim Legends, take it down. My man's going for his appeal, take down his photo, innit? So they put someone else's photo up anyway, whatever. They started to move. But then they started to message me saying like, ha oh, ha, oh, everybody thinks we're you. So a lot of people thought that I was running this Lucian Legends thing from early and I wasn't even running it, do you get it? 
Um, so anyway, I made them take down my shit off their page, the book, my photo. Yeah, got kind of edited with them a couple times as well. Alright, cool. But when I went to jail, what they've done is they've gone into my page because my page has been opened. Yeah, took my photo off my page and put it back up on their thing. I don't know this. I'm in jail, innit? When I come out of jail, I've looked my, my pictures on Lucian Legends and a bag of comments. Do you, do, do you get it? So I'm like, yo, pussy, you must all this. Take down my thing. Again, legal letter, yes. And they have to take it down. Do you get it? And that's why I make them take it down because. Yeah, so yeah. some of these pages move funny on this social media thing, isn't it? Bro, they move, you, you bro, they move funny, bro. They move. They're fucking culture vultures, bro. Do you get it? Trying to profit off the man, then. Do you get it? Do you know, like that? These listen. These platforms are jokers. They don't even they don't even know the game. They don't even know what they're talking about. Look at Lucian Legends. They've got on there a guy called Barry White from Evergreen Lane. They said he's a legend. If you know, you know. If they knew Barry White was licked down by a man, I'm not gonna say who licked down by a man because he was a registered informer. Do you get it? Big case. Yeah. Front. What you got to do is Google him. South London Press. Front page, police take out police informer from Belmarsh and take him to drugs house. They took Barry White from Belmarsh, took him to a drugs house to get crap. Then took him to his girl's house so he could fuck her and then brought him back to the prison. So when he got killed, it was a big thing. The officers got suspended. Do you get it? I even got nicked with a machine. Yeah? I even got nicked with a machine in a car, bro. And Barry White died, what, maybe four or five days later. He's dead. I'm on a machine charge. Yes, Barry White's machine. Yeah, 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 my uncle, yeah, tell them. Yeah, yeah, we borrowed the car, yeah, boom, yeah. Barry White had the machine, the nephew got nicked. Barry White came around the house, said, I'm so sorry, I left the machine in the car. Your nephew got nicked. I'm like, yeah, anyway, call Barry White's Andalus. Yeah, that's what I'm telling the lawyers, yeah. Get in contact with Barry White's Andalus. Yeah? I want to know what's going on. Why has he got guns leaving the guns in cars and now I'm getting nicked? Well, I got to call this when go home. Shut up, it worked. Yeah, like that's it. Do you get it? But here where it is. Informer. Do you get it? 100% informer registered. No long thing. Not everybody. It's not. It's, it, 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 it's, but these platforms don't know this. Mm -hmm. And they got loads of guys on their platforms like that. Yeah, they need to do a bit of research before they fucking put something out. Well, they're this brother, they're this caught up in the hype, bro. Attention, dude. It's attention, bro. What, why hiding? And what I say to all of them is, don't get hiding in your face. I don't want to chat to you. But um, I think, uh, like you said, with re-releasing the second book with your own audio, I think that'd be a great plan. And I think there's no time like the present. I think if, if your stuff started to start to pop off now, the big way catch the momentum, I think it would um, yeah, garner more interest than the first time come out, especially with you able to push it. Um, I know obviously you had a team, but with you able to push it yourself, there's no one better than yourself is there to push your own stuff. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing the response and how, much, how far that gets out there in the future. And so talk to me about your plans over the future um, and future books you mentioned 
um, the film stuff, you've been writing some scripts, any TV stuff, music stuff, I know you've got a hand in the music game as well. Talk to me about all your future plans then. Yeah, well, obviously the long-term goal is always, and short-term goal, is to make feature films of substance, to get story and character up onto the big screen. Um, so, yeah, my plan is to um, shoot a feature film pilot. That's within the next couple of months. Um, got a 10K budget. That's for a film called... Initially it's called Blowback, but it's now called Osman. <coughs> um, obviously I've got all your book three coming out. I signed an exclusive deal for my life story slash documentary in November. Um, that's with a woman called Angelique who works at Sky. I'm not sure it's going to actually be at Sky now. Um, or be produced by, by Sky. However, we've got that bubbling. Um, the paperback, uh, back, um, autobio. The publishers have said, yep, they're good to go. It takes three months. Um, so, yeah, we've we, we got that. We've got, we, we, we got that on the back burner. And obviously, we also got Star Music Limited, which is a new management slash record label. Always looking for artists, talented artists. Um, so yeah, we're just pushing, bro. We're just working hard, man. It's, it's all about the work rate, bro. Of course, that's what it's about. You sound obviously, we, I know you're on the right path and I look forward to seeing all the stuff and all your future successes. As you like to say, obviously there, you're always looking for artists. And so from where we're filming today, um, back, couple of weeks ago you ended up putting out a podcast with Sean Atwood and so guys again I'd highly recommend you watch that as well great interview shout out to Sean as well um, yeah, shout out to Sean Atwood link will be in the description um, obviously that's starting to gain some momentum and get some views and talk to me about your response on that then um, positive and negative what's uh, off the back yeah, of that yeah most of it's positive you get there's a lot of positive um, for example strangers been messaging me on YouTube and Instagram. Um, celebrities, for example, a few days ago I got a message from Wiley. I didn't believe it. I was like, if this is you, send me a voice note. Do you get it? Shout out the Godfather. Shout out the Godfather. And he sent a couple of voice notes and then the second voice note, he's really excited when he's telling me about, yeah, when he was in Stonebridge in the yard and you come down, yeah, I was like, okay. So yeah, you, 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 you just, there's a lot of positive support out there, but you also get negative. Um, I'm sure everybody knows, everybody's seen Dutch's teams, his PR team have just gone crazy, Team Dutch, um, due to me um, giving my opinion that I believe that he knew the Fox's niece was underage um, before he started tampering with her. And so guys, before we go any further, make sure you subscribe to Tiny Carlon's YouTube channel and make sure you're following him on Insta. Links will both be in the description because you don't know what things might be coming out on his channels down the line. I'm sure there's going to be 
in-depth explanation to any situations and maybe more revelations coming out through certain boys or certain other things. There's certainly going to be lots of exciting stuff from there in the future. Um, so it's going to be a madness. As like I said, uh, really looking forward to everything that you've got going on in the future. Hopefully we're going to have lots of stuff going on together in the future as well. And um, are there any other topics that we, you feel like we haven't covered or you feel like you want to address? I just feel like the youth, the, the youths, a lot of them watch me, innit, yeah? More than I knew. And a lot of them are paying attention. More than I knew. But from the messages I'm getting. And I, they, 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 therefore watch these situations and don't watch him. They need to watch how I handle the situation first and foremost. But they need to also understand and look at what's really going on in terms of decision making. Because look at the last two weeks and look at what's really going on. We got IPO got killed, RIP. Right? So IPO's been killed, yeah? And then you got Dutch losing his mind completely and sending a message to Asko saying, your boy got blamed, i.e. your boy, your boy, your boy got Dutch. I've never heard something so crazy. Who does that? Did you get it? Yeah? And then, that runs side by side with Marvin, and I'm calling his name now, yeah? And Team Dutch posting up RIP Fox the other day. Yeah? When that same PR team with Marvin batting up Fox's kids, disrespecting Fox's kids, yeah, because he's not here. When they couldn't even, they couldn't even breathe when when Fox was here. Do, do you get it? So you ain't got no relationship with the with the family. You're disrespecting the family. Even on the voice notes, he disrespects the family. You've heard them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they've got to sit there and watch you posting up their thing, knowing that his management team. This is what the kids know. Knowing that he, the, the the management team had something to do with their father's death. Because that's what they believe. I've spoke to them. Kai. And that's what you believe. The PR team. Because I've got that. Yeah? You told me that. So, why are you torturing Fox's kids? And tormenting them? But it's that same behaviour. Why are you sending a message to Asko? You're a scumbag. Because no one wishes death on no one, right? And we definitely don't rejoice in a man's death either. Worse is not even a man you really... Do you get it? And that's what a man needs to realise. That's the kind of human being you're dealing with. I don't deal with human beings like that. Do you get it? In my whole life, yeah, yeah, all day, innit? Yeah, quickly. This is 2022, bro. Spotlight, do you get it? I don't deal with people like that who can't articulate a sentence or can't even say a sentence without effing and blinding. Spitting on the net and shouting and screaming and making threats and then, you know, trying to create scenarios. I ain't got time for that. I work too hard. Do you get it? So I just want the youth then to watch these scenarios and watch how these guys are moving and know, yeah, move different. Do you get it? It's all a lie. Do you get it? That's what I want. I just want to youth them to know 
the game's a lie. Don't follow these new Instagram bad social media bad boys. You get it? That are talking wicked in one hand and the next hand they're like, yo, if I get touched, boy, then you know where it is. Yeah, that's all long. Do you understand? That's Lele. Do you get it? Whereas, because you heard that, didn't you? And I'm just like, bro, first and foremost, you cannot, and another thing, do not listen to my books, my audio books, or my stories online and feel, that's me now. That's not me now. Do you get it? That's me 20 years ago. I'm just giving you the story now. We've evolved since then. We've grown since then. We're doing different stuff. Do you, do you understand where I'm coming from? I think a lot of people get caught up in, yeah, that's him now. Yeah, so, big up all the man then, big up all the youth then, big up all the man and then, bing. Yeah? You know the thing. Study hard. Train hard. Yeah, I learned how to fucking cook. <laughs> well, yeah, like I said, absolute blessing for the opportunity. R.I.P. Sparks. R.I.P. Um, Fox. Duffus. R.I.P. I'm going to big up Penny. Bad boy. I'm going to big up, big up little Andy. Yeah? Legends. Big up. Yeah, yeah. Oval. R.I.P. How you mean? 100%. Yeah, come on, man. R.I.P. All the fallen soldiers out there. And um, so on the social media thing, this reminded people, like I said, they'll all be in the description. But the YouTube Game Changer Moment, Instagram GCM Ent website. GCM Ent. Ent. Group, is it them? Group, yes. Group. Dot com. That's right. So guys, like I said, everything will be in the description. Go over, check that out. Go and support the books, you know. Um, look out for seeing the new books coming out down the line. And get onto his YouTube, because he's got... It's real good content over the last few months and obviously lots more coming in the future. Um, some gory prison stories that hasn't even spoken about on here, some exclusive stuff that you'll see on his channel. Like I said, lot, lots more to come, me and him, together in the future. So uh, enough respect for the opportunity. And any other shout-outs you want to do to your team, your internal team, the people that are helping you now to achieve your goals? Yeah, man, just team success, bro. And all the star music family, just keep pushing, keep working. That's all it's about, work rate, man. We're just working hard and we'll see where it takes us. Guys, anyone who wants to get in touch with Tiny, jump onto the website, jump onto the Instagram and throw a message. You know? So, guys, I hope you all enjoyed this. I'm sure you have. This has been an epic one. Must be nearly four hours now by then. And thank you very much. Good one.